Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safety. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> you know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. Yeah. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. <laughs> Can we recapture the joke that I just saw? I told. Oh, Eddie, please, uh, please tell. Wait, hold on a second. Let's go. Let's go back into the time machine, forty-two years to when Mel was six, and uh, let's. Uh, I know it's a little more. <laughs> I, I understand, but you okay? Let's go back forty-two years when Mel was ten. Mel, would you like to tell uh, your mean bully further, joke? Further. No. How <laughs> old 56. are you? Fifty-six. <laughs> Has it been six years since we celebrated your fiftieth birthday? I know. Wow. That was that's... the high watermark of my career <laughs> in my life. We went on a giant golf trip and that's amazing. With your with your brother and a, and and he won't like me saying this, but a naked Scott Brewster. Yeah. Uh-huh. Whoa. And I could tell you some things about that's happened to my brother that are not good, but it's a nationally televised show, so we won't. We're on we're on television? That's cool. <laughs> no, uh we we have the looks for a podcast. It's good. Audio. Yes. So um, we got a show. What? It's uh, called Talking Tesla. It's a network of shows. It's a series of shows. It's a number of shows. A family of shows. Joel keeps talking about that maybe he wants to try and do a daily show. Mm-hmm. Um, but we haven't got the CAT scan back yet. So before we can uh, clear him from a psychiatric point of view, uh, we've got to do some further work. Up, and then we'll <laughs> see what happens. All right? As soon as it happens, we'll let you know. But this is Talking Tesla 190, which is... Weird, because it's one show more than 189, which we did last time. Imagine that. <laughs> how did we met? How? how? So last show, 189. This show, 190. Oh, that's one more show. I, I don't. I, it's like this mathematical sort of algorithm that I just can't possibly understand of, of, of that. Right. But it does mean we are 10 shows, which could mean we are... 10 weeks or 20 weeks away from our 200th episode and more like 20 and who's gonna plan what kind of plans do are we gonna put for the 200 show because i can guarantee you how it's probably gonna happen (laughs) is all of a sudden we're gonna be like oh it's show 200 wow we should have done something special for it but we didn't no, there's a OMG. lot of people. A lot of people are talking about it. A lot of people are uh, getting very excited about it. Okay. Uh, there's, there's the people are even saying that maybe I wasn't even born in this country. So there's a lot of excitement going on here. A lot of people are investigating. Uh, Two hundred is going to be big. <laughs> the birther. <laughs> the birther. I hate it when we go to to politics so early in the show. I think you were not born here, but that's because you weren't. But that doesn't that's matter to me. I wasn't. <laughs> it's did I tell you that my brother-in-law went to school with Barack Obama? Did I tell you that story? I yes, you did. Yes. It was um, almost. Um, it was 2016. Actually, I remember it because uh, we were we wow. were. Um, you were also talking about one of my uh, escapades with uh, um, a little bit of range anxiety. Um, oh, yeah. So I I remember the punchline. 
What was the punchline? Well, it was, he was, uh, um, they were both howlers, right? Howlers, yes. Howlies yeah. or howlers. Yep. Something like that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that, Tell us again now. For a, yeah. No, no, it's fine. It's already <laughs> been told. Go back. <laughs> you wrecked the whole thing. It's fine. I've only got like four stories. So, you know, it's very difficult. I mean, but that one's about Barack Obama and your brother. So, I mean, you know, like that's a good one to have. If no, you're only going to have four. Your cousin, right? Wasn't it your cousin? No, no, my, my brother-in-law. Oh, I'm oh, sorry, your okay. brother-in-law and Barack Obama. Which brother-in-law? I don't. I don't. Actually, Dave? you can tell this story to me every day. It would be like brand new because right, I have no. So here it goes. So I'll tell <laughs> oh you the story. So he lived in Hawaii. My brother-in-law grew up in Hawaii, and uh, he went to this little prep school there. But Hawaiians, um, like a lot of people, uh, according to my brother-in-law, you know, when you're a kid, uh, if you're not part of the group, you're out of the group. And so he was new and white. And they're like, eh, we're not talking to you. We're going to give you a hard time because, you know, we're fifth graders. And there was a black kid in his class. He's like, well, well, I know that kid will talk to me. So the first person that he met at his new school where nobody would talk to him was Barack Obama. Ba-boom, boom, and that's weird because my brother-in-law is a Republican, which I don't know how that all fits together. <laughs> but it was a great story. And he's got in his yearbook. It's weird to see the yearbook. You've got little Barack Obama with no shoes on running around the school. It's like crazy. And his nickname was Barry, is that what you said? Something Barry, like yeah, his nickname was Barry, and I said this foolish thing. So when you were in school with him, did it seem like you know he was going to grow up to be president? He's like, <laughs> um, think about the kids you went to middle and high school with. Did any of those kids seem like they would be president? No. This fifth grade is terrific. This is the most fantastic fifth grade I've ever been a part of in my entire lifetime. I think I'm the best fifth grader that's ever lived. And one of these days, uh, I don't understand why I won't be president of, of everything. <laughs> that is the worst Barack Obama impression I've ever heard. Ah, that that's, was, because, <laughs> that's because it was Ronald Reagan. <laughs> I thought it was Trump. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh. I'm, I'm not even getting in on this one. That means it was a good impression because it was Trump. Uh, <laughs> boom. Thank you. Thank what you are we talking much. about? What are we doing on the show? And I'm going to tell you right now. Let me tell you right now. There is no way I'm doing one of your two or three hour shows. This guy's exhausted. Yeah. Okay. Not, I'm just there's saying. Not, there's not very many articles just in here. I'm telling you. Okay. No, I but only threw in two. I got a question for you guys, actually, before we get started. How during the last year, if you have, and may, Mel, this probably is not a good question for you because I probably know the answer. How do you people wash your cars? Are you going to have your cars washed? So let's start with you, Joel. How do you wash your car? I don't think I do the right thing listening to all Tesla folks. Um, Screw those people. Um, so I, I drive mine. I drive mine in either a touchless car wash or a touchful car wash. Okay, <laughs> that's what I do. I have a follow-up question, but I want to get Robert's answer first. I, Mel, you, you don't wash your car. Robert, how do you wash your car? I. Uh, I'm trying to keep the local economy going. So there's a nice guy who has a truck with a compressor on it and a big tank of water. And he came and uh, washed our car at one of the emergency rooms on the, uh, like one of these nurses knows, you know, has used him. He's basically a mobile car washer. And so okay. I'm trying to keep him going. So when I'm working in that area, I'll, uh, I'll give him a call the day before and say, I want my car washed. And uh, I'm sure... You know, at least two, three, or four other people want their washed as well. So he'll get like a whole afternoon worth of work, 
and uh, and and I feel good. I'm glad that that uh, gives him that opportunity. So, Tom, I know you're not going to ask me if I how often wear. I wash my car as often as I wash my undercarriage. Let's just say that. Um, it's not a lot. This is it's why I never really. should have held this up. That is why, exactly really. for that reason. You know so I, I could go into a long diatribe of why do you hate the planet, Robert, because having your car mobile washed is like a terrible, terrible thing to do. All that soap and chemicals just getting washed into our storm drains. But whatever. You love the planet and you do this show, so I'll assume that you just didn't know any better. But the question I have, and now it's only going to be for Joel. You're welcome, Joel, because you're the Wait only minute, one. Wait a minute. Did you answer the question, though? I wash my car touchless, right? But the okay. issue that I have with the touchless is I can't wash the inside of my car. So the vacuuming of the right. inside of my car, very, very difficult in that situation. Now, Robert, because he hates the planet and he has his car mobile <laughs> detailed, they probably vacuum his car plugged into their... Ford F one fifty with the engine idling while they're running the <laughs> while they're while they're running their vacuum cleaner, but but Joel, so because I recently purchased and returned a vacuum because it didn't it didn't have enough suction for my car, but I'm curious, like, do you, what's your solution for vacuuming the inside of your vehicle? These are really cutting edge. This Tesla is questions. huge. No, I this is this. interesting. Um, so it's lately, uh, it's been at um, you know, like the last year. I guess that was your question. We'll pull out. We have a shop vac in the garage, and I'll go in and pull. You know, I'll make the kids. You know, if they want, they're like six and eight, so they they um, are always asking to be on the iPad. So I'll give them things to do. One of them is clean out the car, and but they don't still really clean out the car. And so then I'll go back in with a vacuum okay. and do that. And my wife also bought like one of those. Um, just like a small like dust buster kind of thing and okay. just to get in the cracks and crevices. Before that, I would uh I would do it at work at a parking garage if I if I did it and I would mm. I would do a more detailed type of thing. Now just to make sure that Robert understands that I don't actually think he hates the planet. When I when I clean out the inside uh, uh, of my truck, what I do is I open the truck all the doors. Burns. Yeah, yeah. The, the big, burns the burning, petroleum. Yeah, yeah. The petroleum <laughs> and it gets truck. six miles per gallon. Uh-huh. Yep, that's and the one. It's really, <laughs> I hate the planet kind of a yeah, vehicle. Yeah, no, that yeah. one, I actually no, wait, have I a, thought like, that was a hydrogen one? I hate the planet. What I do is I open Zing. all the doors and I just bring a leaf blower and I just <laughs> blow the car out. And it, work, it works pretty. It works pretty effectively for getting Which that is desert. Which a two-stroke leaf blower. Leaf blower. No, it's that, it's, a, it's actually that one's battery powered. It's a, oh, I, I highly recommend that one. It's a I works. Take it all W O R X. But anywho, I was just curious because I'm looking. Aren't those illegal looking, in California? I'm the, looking the, for um, a leaf cordless. Blowers? Hold on, Joel. I'm talking. Oh, sorry, about. sorry. I'm yeah. looking for a cordless, battery-powered uh, vacuum to, that's good at cleaning out the interior of a car. A Model 3 would be that lasts long enough for my piece. So a lot of suction, not too expensive. So if you're listening to this show, and it's the beginning of the show, so you might actually be listening to this show still, send us your recommendations for how to best clean the inside of a Model 3 if you don't want to go to a place and lose all your quarters. And how about the guy who I employ and I keep, you know, in his home so he's not one of the homeless and one of the affected from this virus who takes a vacuum cleaner and plugs it into the cigarette lighter socket of my car and powers his vacuum that way, which I then recharge 
from renewable energy. How does is that? Is that what he's doing? Is yes, that what it he's is. doing? Yes, okay. it is. Well, but what about all the water that's going into the storm drains? He's not using very much. He comes with a very, you know, a tank on the back of his truck and he can do like four or five cars. So there's not a whole lot of water there. I mean, it's gallons, don't get me wrong, uh, but it's not like he's using a F ton of water. And, you know, those recycling systems that they have at car washes are not 100% recycled. They do waste a little bit of water. But they don't go into the storm drain. Anyways, go ahead, Melvis. Um, I was going to ask you, do you guys have any experience with those basically waterless car washing things that they advertise at like the mall and stuff? And supposedly they've got like a tiny amount of water and they've it's magic. And so do they substitute terrible chemicals that destroy the world for water or how does that work? Yeah, they would almost have to. I, I have I have some spray stuff that I got from a from a big brand that I won't mention uh, on the show that I use like to spot clean some stuff interiors and outer and exteriors and stuff like that. But uh, I don't have any experience with the water list. But again, if you're out there and you're listening, uh, send us what you what you recommend for the outside too. I mean, let's not just talk about cleaning up the inside. Let's clean up the outside also. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear about the. Um um, the waterless stuff on the east coast i think it's the water situation's a little bit different and i'd love to have that conversation at some point um meaning um there's definitely a water shortage on the west coast um or you know at certain parts of the year there are generally speaking there isn't um in my town and surrounding towns we don't have water bands like in the summer although some some do um, but I'd be curious to have that conversation at some point. Yeah, I think the weird thing about California is you would think that we would actually have water bans or there'd be shortages of water, but we don't. Like, we don't really ban water. I mean, well, they have rules about you can't have your water hitting your sidewalk, but um, my guess is that they're pretty well unenforced and you shouldn't have lawns, but, you know, take an airplane. We all got freaking lawns. Uh, there's all sorts of issues okay. as it pertains to that. I know it's winter time and... Summertime was, oh, so long ago that it's hard to remember. But when we are in drought, you are not allowed to wash your car with your hose. And you are also not allowed to water your lawn with your hose. I mean, there's a lot of... enforced. Have you ever seen that I didn't say there wasn't a law. And that's (laughs) another issue. But, you know... That's true. We've defunded... I don't wash my undercarriage during the whole of the Uh, summer. The whole of the summer. Very nice. I two undercarriage <laughs> jokes in. I'm talking about the undercarriage of my car. What do you think? I'm disgusting, Tom. What are you talking <laughs> about? Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Mel. I got confused. I didn't realize you were talking about when I go to the touchless wash. If I if you spend an extra dollar, you can get your undercarriage washed. So you you enter the wash very slowly, and it washes your undercarriage. Maybe maybe that would be good for you, buddy. That's what I do. I get out of the car, the undercarriage of the car, and me at the same time, naked, my undercarriage get washed at the same time. Boom, saving water. So I'm curious, how much extra do you pay for the touching car wash? And getting your undercarriage clean. Oh, that's why he doesn't get his undercarriage washed that way because he can't afford that kind of money. This show is terrible. This show sucks. So are do do people do the touchless then, or oh, are they? Geez. Are you doing touchless, Tom? Yeah, I do. For the okay. like during this situation, I'll do touchless. Normally, I go to uh, 
a lovely uh, gas station, service station, filling okay. station in uh, in Calabasas, right by where the Calabasas supercharger was supposed to be, mostly because I hope to see one of the Kardashians there getting their car mm. washed. Uh, but it's a there when if you do a Yelp search in my area, that's like the highest rated car wash, and they do a lovely, lovely job on my vehicle. And 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 now Robert is about to tell me why that's terrible. As no, should. I was just wondering if you know if you're trying to wash them, what if they're dashing to get in and out of their car wash? These Kardashians. Let's just let that hang for a while. <laughs> yeah, let's just let that. Let's just, just let that let's hang. Just, let's just. This will be like like a Christmas present to let's everyone just, out there. Just you want to repeat that, buddy? <laughs> just let that hang. <laughs> what? <sighs> <laughs> On the plus side, everybody, I want everybody to realize that, like. Robert is a literally a healer. He is literally on the front lines, not only in years of pandemics, but years prior to that, saving people, doing the right thing. Robert is an amazing person and should not in any way, shape, or form put up with my bull. And yet, here we are. Somehow he does. I'm sorry, but I don't care how many lives are saved. I don't care how hard you work. I don't care the fact that you're risking your life over and over again. Jokes that bad cannot stand. And, uh, it erases everything you've done. So it raises it raises the uh, you know the the number of people who have to go to emergency rooms gripping their chests. Yeah, what was oh, the, that was so bad. Oh. What was the uh, billing coding for when you had your sense of humor removed, Robert? Do you remember? I don't know, but you know, one? I've had I've had to learn ICD ten codes recently. Uh-huh. That's not been an issue of, for my for me in the past, but I've started doing this online doctoring thing to help with all of the surge of people uh, coming down with the coronavirus. And uh, I tell you, I am coming up with th- there are such crazy, crazy codes you have to learn. Right, to but get like eighty five percent of them are like what nineteen eight one four or nineteen eight one three, isn't that the like the main CCS code or CMS? Well, before code? we found any that would work for like people who called with coronavirus concerns, we were using things like worries. That's actually a diagnosis. Or how about this one? Unspecified problem related to medical facilities and other healthcare. Oh, that that's that makes one. complete sense. Or yeah. even or even then there's encounter screening for other disorder. So I need one of those. Can I get one of those from you, Robert? I need absolutely. an encounter screening for another disorder. Yes. So what's J00 J99? I have no effing clue, but is it on my list? J0 <laughs> J00 J99. I know J0 This has got to be a lead into Diseases something. of the respiratory system. I figure you yeah. have to deal with that a lot. Well, you probably have that from some bill. I don't pay attention to these things because I just try and be like a doctor. But now, because of this online thing and it's all computerized, I have to be a doctor, a coder, and a decipherer of crazy medical codes. And... An amateur astronomer, from what I understand. Amazing, amazing historical connection between our sky uh-huh. right out there mm-hmm. and the history of mankind. It's amazing. It's, 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 it's literally, literally the same sky for the entire history of mankind. That's the one constant. It hasn't, 
it's changed a little here and it there. It does change, but for yes. the but for the most part, it's the same stuff. That's in different places since let's say 1623 when Galileo Galilei was alive, not Galileo the Tesla uh, podcast galley, right. influencer, but right. the the scientific super person. But can somebody tell me about the great conjunctivitis of 2020? Yes, yeah, since we're talking about <laughs> medical codes, yes. I'll get that code. <laughs> On December 21st, which will be just in a day or two from the time you listen to this show, because we're or recording maybe not, it. Depending on how fast EJ gets it out. It's hard, or how long it goes. It, no, you know, EJ it's hard says to say. she's she's gonna be around. She can do this, right? She's not leaving town yet. All right. And so on December 21st, Jupiter and Saturn will mm-hmm. be so close together in the sky, it'll be like they are kissing. And it is being called the Christmas kiss. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> and so, so this, much for the Jews. No, no Hanukkah kiss. No. Well, Hanukkah's over tonight. This is it. Oh, today's the last day. Yeah. Get anything good? It's been eight crazy nights, as Adam Sandler would say. <laughs> is the oil? Uh, does it run out yet? What's going on? Yeah, no. no the oil kept going later. I had my latkes night one, but I haven't really done anything since then. But I, I, I figured I was going to buy myself a Hanukkah gift, and it was going to be a real podcaster's microphone on an arm that I can get out of my effing face so that I'm not like working with boxes on my desk after five, 190 episodes of this stuff. But right. let me what, tell us. What, a $13 us- microphone's not good enough for you? What? Tell no, I love the, the kiss, $13 Robert. microphone. Yeah, I'm going to get back to the kiss. kiss. So this is known as the great conjunction, not conjunctivitis. Oh. If the sky did turn red, maybe the great conjunctivitis. On (laughs) December 21st, these two planets will be together just near the moon, and they're going to be together one of the brightest objects in the sky. Not as bright as the sun or the moon, but they are going to be bright and they are going to be the brightest together. They haven't done this for like 800 years. The last time though, technically, like you were saying, when Galileo Galilei was alive, there was a great conjunction, but unfortunately in that uh, position, uh, Jupiter and Saturn were right where the sun is. So nobody really saw it. Uh, oh. But the time before that was March 4th, 1226. You remember that? Oh, that, seemed, that seems like oh. centuries ago. Yeah, but that was, that was the episode when we talked about... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, the well, lemon we, we, At that point, we would have been excited for cars. We would have been like, hey, check out this new thing we created, the wheel. <laughs> yes, but no one, the wheel at that point. No one, would right. have, no one would have even heard it. But I do have a question for you because I was driving down the uh, the Los, one of the Los Angeles freeways, the 101 freeway towards the north, but it also, for whatever reason, goes west. Ventura Highway in the, Ventura, the sun. And, and there's the moon, and the moon is just a tiny little sliver. And right next to the moon were two other 
let's call them celestial bodies because I believe that's what they were. Were they these celestial bodies just, and that was just a version of what we're going to see in bigger form on the 21st? Or was this something else I was seeing last night? Was this like the great about to be conjunction? Yes. Okay. So it's, it's like, it's something interesting is happening now, but on the 21st is the sun, is the moon full? Do we know what the moon phase is? Cause right now it's pretty exciting as a little sliver with the two bright spots. Well, it's only five days away. So the moon's not going to be that much bigger, but right now we're just calling it the minor conjunctivitis. Okay. Minor, minor conjunctivitis. So like no antibiotics needed for this one, which is- That's right. Just warm compresses. Since it's cold out, and if you're going to hang out there for a while to watch the great conjunction, a a warm compress or a heating pad might be nice. December 21st is also the winter solstice. So you're going to have this conjunction and you're going to have the winter solstice at the same time and the dead will rise- Perhaps oh, well. <laughs> it depends on what incantations you use, Mel. So did they, mm. now do they have historical like data written down from 1623 and 1226? Or are they basing this on like reverse mathematics, like or and knowledge and whatnot? Yeah, it's just math. It's, you know, it, with using math, amazingly, you can tell. I was told all the planets. <laughs> there would be none. You can tell where all the planets were and are going to be ad infinitum, going out for as far as the future, unless, of course, something bad happens, like, you know, a big thing flies into our solar system and knocks something off its, okay. uh, its path. Or a but supernova wobbles the universe. Interestingly, the whole, you know, we were talking about Christmas and all this, non, all this stuff is that there was, a gr- there was another conjunction between Venus and Jupiter mm-hmm. in 2 BC. And the position of it, it's being sort of speculated that with the position of it, if you, were, if you had lived at that time in Babylon, it would have been in the direction of Bethlehem to the west and would have made sense that that could have been the Christmas star, this bright conjunction that is uh, around the time of when Jesus Christ was born. Wow. So that is it's interesting. Biblical in it nature. is. It is. Well, we sometimes do, you know, veer towards the biblical on this show. Oh, uh, we're biblically good. I've actually heard that before, that there's a number of astro- not astrological events that occurred in that sort of four-year time period where they think Jesus was born that could have explained this big star. Mm-hmm. Um, one, of your, one of your guys— a nice Jewish boy grew up, did mm-hmm. some stuff. That's yeah. true. In fact, Maybe. back then in 2 BC, my understanding was that there were three different conjunctions that took place within a couple of years period of time. And mm-hmm. it was really quite impressive. But what I wasn't was here function? to. Huh. <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to do that. And I'm not oh, even American. Nice. And I know that one. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Tom wins. <laughs> so have you guys gotten any... Uh, any uh, Surprising updates in your cars? I got a software update to 2048.10, which yeah. is, seems pretty pretty high up there in the whole milieu of uh, software situations. Joel's got a bunch of question marks next to his, and and uh, yeah. what's going on with that? Does that do you have That's something that you'd like to sad. secretly share with us, Mr. Joel? It's yeah, sad. just between the three of us? No. <laughs> yeah. uh, Nobody listen. Us? Everybody turn your radios down for a minute. Shh. 
So I returned uh, my car for lease. What? So, yeah, that was. Uh, so this is your last show. A, you get. <laughs> <laughs> you just. Started. Yeah, I think I'm gonna get solar or something so I can at least. Um, you getting an F one fifty? What are we doing here? Yeah. What's the situation? Hama gas. Yeah, so um, it's a little bit up in the air right now. Um, it's probably a why. Um, why? But why? Because I like it. <laughs> why? It's a great car. Why? Now, do you want one? It, do you want one from? Mileage. Do you want one from <laughs> Berlin? Well, yeah, uh, I think we have that story too. We could go into. Um, there's a few things. Is that uh, I think I want to see what the seven seater looks like. Um, and we probably are replacing another car, so we're just trying to figure out what's going on here. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit. The Armageddon of cars at your house. Yeah, let's, let's, terrible. let's talk a little bit about the. But we're not traveling either, so there's not as much of a yeah. a hurry as there was before. But go ahead, he barely ever drives. But I'm curious because Mel Mel owns a Y. And mm. and I've driven the Y and I it's got the five it's got the Why? five it's, well he let me it's got the five seats in it I can't imagine wanting that car with seven seats like it just doesn't it feels like yeah that's cool they did it but like is that super useful and and so Mel you drive it a lot more obviously than I ever have I'm curious what what you think obviously having never seen the seven seats but. But knowing what the space is like that and, 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 and the extra, the trunk that's back there would be losing a lot of that space, I imagine. Like, what, what's your take on the seven-seater? Um, well, I think it's the same question you could ask for pretty much any vehicle which has seven seats with that reverse seat. And um, it's not very big. If you've it's got not a reverse. big family. It's not a reverse seat. It's a normal. It's a front-facing seat in the Y, correct? Is it? Yes. Well, Sandy Monroe we thinks it's reverse. I think Somebody it's reverse because I saw a rendering today, just today, that suggests that it's actually reversed seats. I had no um, idea. I because th- I, 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 he never mentioned it as as a reverse seat at launch, at least not from what I remember. I, I, but but yeah, that's very that's that's what we would call breaking news. I, I would imagine. It, well, it could be fake news too because I don't really know. But we don't use that um, terminology on this show anymore. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, but uh, it's you know I've, we've got the X. The wife drives the X, and it's uh, the seventh seater of that. There's very little room when you're in that back row. So if you're a kid, it's fine because you got stumpy legs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and in so the S, when they had the seventh seater, you yeah. sit back there. Uh, thank you. Oh man, Dude. I missed that. <laughs> Bam. Um, if it's reversed, it's still going to be the same thing. It's really only for kids and for kids that aren't that big. So, uh, the seven seater thing is very use specific for a family with little kids or Mm -hmm. family that drives around other people's little kids. It's not for grown adults of the full length of five foot eight, like some of us. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like anybody who puts their kids in the back of a reverse facing seat, like they're telling their kids, which kids are their favorite and which kids they're sort of like, "Mm, I'll miss you, but mm, you're going back there. Well, uh, that, that, uh, so the one point that I wanted to to make was that, uh, the, the current car that we have is a Q is a Q seven. It's a fairly large car, but the back seat is not, the third row is not made for adults. It's absolutely not. And it's, I would think everybody would consider that a fairly large car. I mean, it's not a, right. a suburban, uh-huh. but it's, it's fairly large 
and there's no way um, that you'd want adults sitting in there any more than like 15 or 20 minutes just to go to like right and and that's kind of what we end up doing is if we have either we have a, a lot of like cousins and things like that that are all around the same age and we'll go to a water park or something like that what's that everybody like? fits in yeah not <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a while it's been a while I, I, i'm not remembering um it's been a while for sure so I, I think it's all the same. I know people are, you know, talking about, geez, it, you can't fit a lot of people in there or they can be tiny. I kind of think the X is pretty small as well back there and your feet are Right. Are but really that's sort of my up. point is to like, why wait for something that's really got very minimal utility is, is kind of, I guess that's really where I was going with this from the very, very beginning. Right. Like, like it, like the X is borderline. Okay. I had a Volvo XC90 that had a third row of seats that had, and that back was literally like, if you had knees, you wouldn't want to sit in the back of that. That car was good for really, really little kids. Uh, again, put a couple kids back there on the way back and forth to soccer. But, but was it something that the extra money was worth in the long run? I don't think it was. So that's again, why I'm, we're walking, we're, we're running the, the listeners through all of these kind of scenarios. It's like, is it worth waiting for? I don't know. Right. I, I forget. I've forgotten how much more it is. Um, I think it's and, at least two grand, but I'll take a look while you're discussing. more. Right. I mean, and I'm sure if I put that two grand into Tesla stock, it probably would pay off more. <laughs> please, right? please you, don't start. Please don't do that, Joel. <laughs> You've done that to us. I, I got whipped the last time, though, on uh, <laughs> online for sure. Um, but um, I mean, it's it's worth looking at because um, uh, I mean, the one thing that I like about the uh, the X and it's a six seater is that we have we have a dog, and that would the everything would. The boys and the dog and my wife would all fit in nicely, and it would work nice nicely there. And I'm just kind of hoping maybe something like that could work with the Y. But, so it's a um, three thousand additional dollars for the seven seat interior. That's kind of which, if you had have done that in 2012, could be about yeah. uh, 1.8 million dollars. <laughs> That'd have been a lot. Yeah, it, it's probably it's uh, I don't know. Seven yeah, seat interior, full self driving. What's more useless? <laughs> <laughs> I think we could uh, we can say that the seven seater is a very use specific thing for some people, yeah. some families. Yeah. Yep, I need to chuck a couple of extra kids that I'm driving around and they're young, and it's going to be good for a few years. Is a very specific thing. But for I don't think Robert's like getting up in the morning. He's like, man. I need an extra couple of seats in the back there when I'm driving by myself to the ER. Yeah. Uh, that's not uh, what most people are thinking about. I'm also curious, like, and, and I'd love to to see them. Like, I wouldn't want to order it sight unseen because I wonder if they're going to affect the whether the back is all flat, like flush, which I think is a real big selling point. Like, if, if you have all the seats folded down, right, if you have the third row of seat, is there going to be a little hump there? Are you still going to have some storage space? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say um, having an, a Y, the amount of storage space underneath that, um, underneath the flush bit, I don't know how to describe this. So when you lie the, the seats down, then there's a storage area right at the back where those, that seven-seater um, seats would actually go. That is actually really deep, and actually you can put a lot of stuff in there. So there's an enormous amount of storage in there. So just so you know, Y, a lot of storage, way more than the three. 
Um, and also when you think about the um, hatchback part of things, the Y has like four times the internal storage of a three. So the Y is for people who need to carry a lot of crap around. Surfboards, uh, you know, stuff, golf, uh, contraband. I have a lot of that contraband. across the border. I like contraband. A lot of stuff. Contraband's good. That's good. <laughs> that's that's really good stuff. So so when do you feel like you need to make this decision, or or when do you feel like we can basically annoy the shit out of you enough to force you into making this decision quicker? I guess is like what is it going to take for us to get you in a car today? <laughs> What's it going to take to get you into another white today? Come on, what is it going to take to get you into a white man? So I was commuting uh, an hour a day into Boston um, up until oh, so March. I get 8th. where you're going to go with this. You're going to say, "Oh, you're going to have to end the pandemic to get you in a car." That seems like a, really a lot to ask, Joel. <laughs> I probably drive three miles a week right now. I mean, it's gone from. Oh, you're lazy. You should walk those three miles. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I, yeah, I probably should. Um, I mean, you definitely I, should. You definitely should. You shouldn't. Probably. It's it's um. So there's not a big rush, um. But the the rush really is is I don't want to see, um, I don't want to see full self driving get up too much higher. But I think you're I, probably I, all right at least for the next. Six months, think, and he gives you yeah. he gives you warning, right? So, like, if the next time he's like, "Oh, you got two weeks," then it's we'll going to be at the end of a quarter. I don't know if it's going to be at the end of Q one or the end of Q two. I think, I think that's a good time to try to make a deal and get the best deal. Usually, is at the end of the quarter. Um, and yeah, I've uh, well, when I I I got a good deal off on my S when I did it, and it was right at the end of the quarter. Um, and that end was a quarter, quarter that end of the year. Like, yeah, what does that the, mean? Like, they'll negotiate prices. Yes. With you? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They do. They do. Online. Like, how do you how do you do that? Not online. Uh, oh I, man, you know what? I feel like a sucker all of a sudden. Oh, you are. Well, you shouldn't because you've been a sucker the whole time. But Joel, <laughs> come, continue to explain. So, so it, um, it, it you know maybe uh, it'll be at the end of the Q one or end of Q two. That's that's really where I'm going. Um, okay, but. I'm not driving a lot, so I think that's if I were to pull the environment card, it's probably better not to buy anything right now. But it's gonna happen. I just I, I can't stand um all the things I'm doing now in our gas car, I I um um I used to mock or or shun in my head what people what people did. And so, like warming up your car and sitting in your car when your car's on, some of those things just absolutely annoy me. Um, and that's not where I want to go. And I don't think my wife does either. So we're on the same page there. It's just right now she drives to work and she drives a mile to work every day. So I was going to say, uh, you know, it's like God, this goes on forever, and I lost track of what I was going to say. Damn. <laughs> what? This show is a little long? What? All right. It's well, just so that, I'll, Yeah. It's just that we go on and on. I'd say- I'll, I'll, I'll take it on if you would like to relinquish your, your space on the floor. <laughs> I yield my space to the man from Tarzana. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's take this a little bit farther. Long range or performance when you do pull the trigger? Long range. Okay, long range. And then uh, mm -hmm. color, interior, exterior? What are we talking here? Interior white, exterior, it's red or blue. 
The wife likes red. I like the blue. So red. So you're getting red? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So red. Uh, yes. 19 inch uh, Gemini wheels, I assume. No. Uh, or are we going to go uh, 20 inch induction uh, wheels and buy more expensive tires for the rest of your life? Which um, one, which one yeah. It's. I always get the smaller tires and say, oh, I'm going to get the bigger tires later. And then I never do. So. So. The small, probably the 19s. Yeah. I mean, hitch, you need you a mean the smaller wheels. Yes. You mean the smaller I wheels? I, I mean, yes. Well, both. But yes. White, white interior, you said, right? That's an extra, mm-hmm. extra grand for the white interior. Mm-hmm. And then full. Toe and, hitch, yes. And Although. Seven, and seven seaters. Seven seaters. You can't, can't select that yet, so I can't add it up. Uh, no. I, autopilot included, full self driving, 10 thousand dollars that's going to be a negotiation with the better half for sure okay so you're not so getting that no <laughs> well we might go we might we might go red on her side and fsd on my side i'm just gonna throw it in there just because you know if you don't get yeah. it we'll we'll be relentless and that'll probably be enough to get you to get it and then probably wouldn't on, get on. the seven seaters though one one second robert so what anybody want to guess on the total uh, purchase price uh, that that this is going to set joel back anybody anybody anyone anyone sixty five thousand very close very close anybody else robert robert would you like to get sixty seven five Oh no! A little over, also, also. Both of you oh. guys a little over. Go ahead. I thought it was fifty nine and a half. So I got I got sixty two four ninety. That's the purchase price estimated after savings. And honestly, at a mile a day, this probably doesn't apply to you. <laughs> <laughs> so your your purchase price is uh, sixty two four ninety. Now, if you happen to live in California, which you do not, you could get uh, fifteen hundred dollars in california clean fuel rewards so actually you may actually be on the hook for thirty four thousand. so robert was much much closer uh but for as as Did you say sixty four thousand sixty four thousand it's a sixty four thousand dollars uh segment is what we're doing right now it's called the sixty four thousand dollar Never mind. Anyway, so what California is good at doing is uh, adding ten percent in taxes yeah. and giving you back two percent in incentives. <laughs> That's true. This is lose. without tax. That is without tax. So you're looking however, in California, you'd be at seventy basically out the door there. However, if you wanted to have a carpool sticker, a high occupancy vehicle sticker, so that you could drive around in California, you forfeit the clean fuel reward rebate. Really? Wow, yes. that is a I'm nice little pretty sure thank you have you to choose much. you have to choose one or the other. I know what I'd take because I don't use the carpool lane. Yeah. Because the carpool lane is as slow as all the other lanes when <laughs> that, LA is doing it. That's true. Thing. Well, we have a little bit of time for Joel to make that decision. And I look forward to the next time it being sixty nine thousand, seventy two thousand, forty and then we'll see what Joel can actually negotiate because I for one I'm very fascinated by the fact that you can negotiate these prices. And in fact, on that point, negotiating currently, and I don't think we put it, I didn't put this story in there, but currently, if you pick uh, a Tesla that's already been configured and is on Tesla's website and you buy it uh, from them, you will get, or you have to ask and can get unlimited supercharging for a year. So they're trying to clear out the inventory and make their numbers look really good 
for 2020. And so I know of other people who have gotten, you know, people at the Tesla uh, sales facilities to sort of drop in some supercharging love or a couple of other little maybe here and there extras. So even though Elon says that doesn't happen, uh, I think didn't, I forgot the name of the guy who he had on who used to work for Tesla in sales and helps people. He helps guide people to buying their electric vehicles. If you give him a call, him who I don't remember his name, he actually can help to put together some deal action for you. Hmm. No. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty interesting. And, and, and now that you mention it, there are some model Ys in inventory in Los Angeles on the Tesla website. There's a, a blue one, long range, all wheel drive performance, $69,110. It was a demo vehicle. It has no estimated transportation fee because it's in Los Angeles, 694 miles on it, but it comes with the 21 inch Uber turbine wheels, which isn't even an option on the Ooh. other uh, thing that we were picking out. So you can get Uber turbine wheels. It has black and white premium interior. I don't know. How, what what does that mean? Black and white. Does that mean the seats are white and everything else? Ebony and ivory. Yeah, it's I don't very know, uh, Michael Jackson. And uh, who was the guy? Paul McCartney. The Beatle. I don't know. Paul McCartney. There you go. It was huge. <laughs> and of course, guy? Ebony and ivory. But here's a question. Oh, no to hear me. No, here's a question. Wait, here's a question I have for you, new, but it, and it comes with only one year of premium connectivity. Do we know what Tesla charges for premium connectivity after one year? Yeah. hundred bucks, I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be expensive. It's it 10 bucks a month or a hundred yeah. bucks a year, something like that. I don't, I don't, and so I, don't I think that, that Joel should definitely go for one of these pre-owned cars because, you know, he gets a whole year of free supercharging in it three miles a day. That's definitely going to pay for it. Definitely going to yeah, pay for could, it. You could charge every, you could charge once every three months with a long range. You just go with it. Although it does get cold on occasion. So maybe you lose a little bit of range. So I do want to go back to the point where we're uh, at the end of the year, as Joel said, you really can negotiate um, when they are trying to um, make their sales numbers as big as possible. So when the Weiss X was up for renewal, her renewal is like in March and they started texting, calling, uh, pigeons, uh, telepathy, well before the end of the year saying, what's it going to take to get you into a new lease? And they forgave five months, which is a substantial amount of cash. It's about five 5K, months of the right? Lease. About 5K. It was like six, 1500 bucks a month. Wow. They forgave all that and like, uh, let's just get you into a new one. Let's get you into a new lease because that counts towards the year we're in right now. Right. And so you really can do pretty substantial deals as they're trying yeah. to buff those year-end numbers. So work that. Like, uh, that, uh, give me something more. Give me something more. Give me some supercharger. Give me some something. And they gave us five months. they like, we're going to forgive the last five months of your right. uh, lease and we'll get you a new, new car by December 31st. Uh, well, let's these get cars the, are get actually Elon the- to bring that one to me. Have him deliver it to my home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want Elon to come to my door. And, no. Well, th- these cars are actually a really good deal in hindsight because I looked at the, they also all have the performance upgrade. And I believe that was like another 10K. So it's the long range with the performance upgrade. And they're at oh, 70, wow. 69,000. So a little bit, you know, a little, little 
pretty good deal on. They look pretty nice in in the midnight blue with and, the and you know what they don't charge you for? They don't charge what? you for all of the uh, left behind coronavirus from all of the the test drives. Oh, that's free. Oh, yeah, that's good. That is actually yeah. that's free. That that's nice. You gotta you gotta love that. Can I have some broken pieces of uh, mRNA uh, that might or might not infect? <laughs> do you have any? Do you have, do you have any protein spikes that I could just like uh, you know maybe indeed. bring into my body a little bit? Uh, we're such, I think it's too soon. Such, medicine nerds <laughs> totally <laughs> so did you guys know that no not only do i own two of the cleanest vehicles on the planet i also own two of the dirtiest vehicles on the planet and only one of them is my truck and the other one you can plug in and that would be a plug-in hybrid now we're going to do an article from transportenvironment.org about a new emission scandal a new emission scandal so we had we had we had uh volkswagen gate that gave us a whole new plethora of charging stations and 20 eventual new volvo volkswagen models but now we have a group that tested the bmw x5 the volvo xc60 and the mitsubishi outline outlander PHEV, I think that's right, the PHEVs, the plug-in hybrids, being very, very dirty vehicles. So does anybody want to expound on their filthy undercarriages? Yeah, I think the point of this story is that if you want to really be clean on the environment, and we've been saying this for years, a full electric vehicle is the way to go. Because all of these plug-in hybrids and hybrid cars, it turns out that many of these manufacturers, in this case, three separate not connected manufacturers, have have pushed a little flim-flam on all of us as to how clean their vehicles are. And when tested by this independent group uh, in real-world situation, they found that between 28% more CO2 and 89% more CO2 was emitted from these vehicles. And this is uh, an organization called Emissions Analytics. And, and was that more CO2 than they advertised or more yes. CO2 than a comparably sized car? No, than they advertised. Okay. Is it still less than a comparably sized car? Because that's what I like. Like if you're comparing like ice car to ice car, are they less or are they about the same or that that's untested in this particular thing? Because I will say we used to talk about the plug in hybrids sort of being a nice entry point. But since I've seen I've seen the way that like my daughter, for instance, like she's got the plug in. It's much more difficult for her to find places to charge it and, and keep it charged. So she will drive. I mean, you can drive it if it's not charged. And so you will drive it if it's not charged, if you need to drive it. And and that is that contributes probably greatly to this thing where that's not an option. If you have an EV, you have to charge it. Yes. Joel? Is this your, do you still have that RAV? That no, RAV this is the four? Volt. The, the RAV is a complete, was a complete plug-in. Okay. So that wasn't a oh, hybrid, right, right, right. but the Volt is a is a hybrid electric. Okay. Volt. So um, it it looks like these, the the BMW X5, the XC60, and the Outlander, um, we're getting twenty five to almost ninety percent more CO two than 
than uh, sort of tested for. And and so the question I have to you guys is: Was this a, a sort of a testing issue in terms of you know how the uh, the government tested these vehicles or said here's a test cycle and so let's see how much CO two you produce in this test cycle, or was this a uh, something that that Volkswagen did where they actually could detect that they were being tested and then did it hyper you know, um, sort of made their cars hyper clean just for during the test cycle. Yeah, it so, doesn't say in here. It doesn't feel like that's what it was. But but my guess is they were cooking the books on the emissions, right? And, and or or not giving emissions numbers when the batteries were empty, completely empty, which is what this test was sort of was judging, like worst case right. conditions and and full conditions. Although it even says. Right. They emitted more CO2 when fully charged in optimal conditions as well. So it was empty and full that were bad in this particular thing. Robert? Yeah, I think this is basically truth in advertising or lack of truth in advertising. So the numbers I gave, 28% more CO2 than advertised, up to 89% more CO2 than advertised was when the batteries were full. And the cars were supposed to be utilizing electricity instead of gasoline. But when these cars had no battery power available to them, they were eight, up to eight times more. Uh, they produced eight times more emissions than the values that the manufacturers advertised. So this could potentially be another Volkswagen cooking the books and cheating because, of course, these vehicles have a different, at least in California, have a different, um, like they don't have to get emissions tested as often. They get some emissions relief because of their, quote, green status. But what this article tells us is that that's probably false. And there may be some uh, some more repercussions coming down the pipeline for this kind of story. So, Bottom line is, I think um, it's just not cool. Yeah, this is one of a series of articles that suggests that um, that the whole hybrid thing was um, made us feel better. And I had a hybrid, and a lot of people have hybrids because you're like, I want to do the right thing, but the extra weight and uh, the technology was never quite there, and we were sort of fooling ourselves. So we paid extra money and. And what we really needed to do was just go full full force on uh, battery electric or clean hydrogen. Right, but I want to make sure that people are clear, Mel. You didn't have a plug-in hybrid. These are you had a hybrid. That's a very different bit of technology, right? That was the yeah the Toyota right. Highlander hybrid. So yeah, I had that hybrid, and I right. felt good about it. But some you know, there's some articles saying the extra weight of the crap that you put in there made it actually nowhere near as uh, good as you thought it was. So yeah. for yeah. ten years, I drove a car which was just nowhere was basically the same right. as the gas version. And, but, and and again, I like we we talked about it many times. We always thought this was a good entry. I really, I don't know. I mean, I hope it wasn't about cooking the books and doing the wrong thing on one hand. On the other hand, I hope it kind of was because maybe they'll get huge fines as well. And maybe yeah. they'll have to do some things as well that they wouldn't have otherwise done. I think it doesn't 
it does not bode well for Volvo and its brand, right? I'll say that like this, if this gets widely sort of spread out and really gets picked up on, and this is not a major, this is not a major news organization that reported this. I've never heard of, not to disparage them, but I've never heard of transport environment before, <laughs> before we talked about it. But I will say like, this is not the kind of news that Volvo should want to be attached to. And this is a company that built the, the XC90 plug-in electric that had 10 miles of bullshit ass range that we used to, <laughs> we used to disparage. Thank like, you. That's the range. Left, we used to disparage left and right. And my guess is if they, uh, you know, applied this sort of math to that vehicle as well. Like the XC60 is not the only vehicle that has this issue for Volvo. So on Energy Twitter, I think it was probably two months ago or so. This was a topic of conversation. Two or three months ago, this was a topic of conversation saying that the EU should go back in and relook at the numbers that they had for all the plug-in hybrids so that they shouldn't get the level of credits that they're getting. And we don't want to get into the credits conversation again, Mel, but just the credits that uh, that they got for these plugins. So they should relook at that because, um, but the, what they felt at the time though, wasn't that the automakers were cheating. It's that the test cycles made, um, uh, and then how they designed the cars made, uh, gave them the best looking numbers that they could have. Right. We'll ultimately but, find out. I do agree with you. If they are cheating, I, I kind of agree with you because maybe that means another Electrify America too or Electrify Europe. I'd be perfectly happy with that, but we'll have to see how that ends up working out. Yeah, but the other part about it is like all of these cars, I assume, the oh, the people who bought these vehicles got $7,500 federal tax you know, credits. The, these companies should be paying that stuff It depends back. on the battery size. Yeah, so. but I, I, my most of these are built like to just get the maximum amount of that right. as as it were anyways and, and again I don't I don't know I didn't do any detailed dive into that aspect of it but that's potentially you know uh you know 10 20 30,000 units of each one of these at 7500 bucks a pop like uh, if I'm the U.S. government, I want that back. And guess what? <laughs> it turns out I kind of am in some way, <laughs> shape, or form, right? So interesting. I, there, there was a great quote in this article that I'd like to uh, say out loud. Plug-in hybrids are fake electric cars built for lab tests and tax breaks, not for real driving. And so Dang. that is it, like you cannot like put it into better conjecture or whatever like than that one sentence in my opinion. and do you know uh who used to say that quite a lot the elon he's like yeah uh, this true. and he was like looking at the physics and was like this is kind of bull better yeah. to get a really really good gas car and work that and then jump to electric don't he, do this. This interim thing is kind of BS. Right. And he was talking about it in terms of efficiency, right? He was talking about it in terms of energy efficiency. So now yes. you take you take the lack of energy efficiency on top of the fact that you have this extremely polluting vehicle, like over the numbers. Not, I guess, I, I, I guess we can't say it's an extremely polluting vehicle, but it, it, it pollutes much more than advertised. We can we can say. That's part of it. And you put right. factor those two things together. This does not, again, this does not look good for BMW, does not look good for Volvo, does not look good for Mitsubishi. I personally would like to see them test all of these cars now. And I don't think 
they did this. I, I tried to dive a little bit deeper into it and it felt like whoever did these tests really focused on these three vehicles and not like all, they didn't do all of the plug-in hybrid electrics, but I'd really like to see those numbers at this point. Chances are those were the worst. Yeah. I would like to say this, um, just reading some stuff today about uh, how the Paris Accord is like so nowhere near where we need to go. That when Elon starts to talk and you're hearing it more from him, talking about whether your car is gas or hybrid or electric is kind of not the point. The point is we need to start thinking about the entire production from when we dig it up out of the ground to when we drive it around. And we have to start really thinking about um, everything. So to get the ore out of the ground, it's got to be electric, got to be renewable. We've got to get that lithium with uh, windmills and solar and big uh, trucks and big boring machines that are digging that stuff up that are renewable. And we've got to get it to where you refine it, and that's got to be renewable. And then we've got to put it into the car, and that's got to have renewable energy. And then the energy we put into the car has to be renewable. We can no longer think about, well, I, I kind of put some solar panels up to put into my car. It's not, no, let's go back all the way to when we dig it up out of the earth, and we have to be really aggressive about this. So this is no longer just about having an electric car versus a hybrid car versus a gas car. The entire way we think about production, the entire way we think about uh, uh, the way we live, what we're doing, has to rapidly, rapidly turn to renewable energy and truly renewable energy. These cute things we did in the 80s, 90s, 2000 and 2010s has got to end and it has to end extremely rapidly. So let's start having that conversation. Yeah, that's cute. I like that you've got an electric car, but unless 100% renewable energy went into creating it, and powering it, it's not the point. And we, the technology is kind of there. Every Berlin factory and everything that is created now has to be done as much as possible. We're not quite there yet, but as much as possible with fully renewable energy. So this is an interesting discussion that's kind of 20 years ago. Yeah, it is. But I think even, you know, not to, to go back to something that Robert's been talking about quite a bit on, the, on this show, like even our gigafactories, and I say our, the Tesla sort of nation's gigafactories, do not have all the solar panels on them that, that we were promised, right? So even Elon himself is either not wanting to fulfill that process, that promise, not having the capabilities of doing it, or it's just not ready for prime time. I don't know which one of those three things it is, but it's one of them, maybe a combination of, of multiple ones. And so... You know, I, I agree. There's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ways we could go. There's a lot of ways we could go as it pertains to making all of our homes energy efficient. Like, should we should we outlaw the sale of single pane windows in this country or in the world? We probably should, right? Like, that would probably go a really long way to minimizing the use of heating oil and the use of electricity in our homes to to heat our homes and the use of natural gas in our homes to heat our homes. So, you know, there's yep. a lot we can do. I've said it before, and uh, we have to live in this tension. We are living in the intertestament period. And for those people that don't know it, that's uh, you know, the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's this whole period of like hundreds and hundreds of years where there were people and religions and it was the intertestament period and it's uh, tension. We're in that period. And so we don't have the production capacity 
to do all the stuff that we need to do with fully renewables. So even if you believe the 46, what is it? 4680, 4660? 4680. If that's the future, we do not have the production capacity to make all that stuff that we need to do all the things we're talking about. So we're in this tension where we can't do fully renewable um, digging up of the lithium and doing all this stuff. But we should now start talking about that's where we need to get and stop pretending that um, baby steps is going to work. So um, we need to start saying this is where we need to get. We're not quite there yet. Uh, We need to rapidly produce gigafactories all across the world and actually get the scientists and the people who can do the maths like would it be better to wait two years before we can create that or burn some fossil fuel to make that factory which will ultimately save us an enormous amount of uh, fossil fuel being burnt later so we're in this really difficult period where it might be better to say you know what just build 50 gigafactories using fossil fuels because ultimately it will save us more time versus waiting. So we're in this very difficult time because you can't dig stuff out of the earth right now with electric boring machines because there isn't enough and we don't have the energy density to do it and Chile doesn't have that. And I would just love to see more people start to like grapple with that. It's like, yeah, this is bad, but on a cost-benefit basis, fire up the uh, diesel engine because... Ultimately, five years from now, that will save us 10x the number of CO2. You're blowing my mind, Mel, because I'm thinking about all those videos I'm watching of the Tesla Gigafactory in Texas and in Berlin. And, you know, all the trucks churning the soil and bringing the cement and everything, they're burning diesel. Amazing. You're prescient. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the point, right? Because there is not those big electric vehicles yet. So what do you do? Do you say, well, don't do it yet. Uh, you know, six years, eight years, 10 years from now, you can do it right. um, versus, you know what, burn the coal now because then we can get there faster. But and I don't know the answer. Can we at yeah. least put some freaking, some more freaking solar panels on Gigafactory Nevada? I, I, we don't know, right? Yes. Is that a capacity issue, right? We just, we don't know the answer to that question. We also, you know, using concrete, like concrete's one of the most energy intensive uh, processes that we have on, on, on this planet. And know, emits and, an enormous amount of carbon yeah, dioxide. Oh, so much, right? And so, and like, there's, there, there's now supposedly concretes that absorb the CO2, but nothing, you've really got to. It, that's too good to be true, right? So yeah, that's like driving just, an extra. because it's a hundred times more expensive. What is that? Where's the, you know? Yeah, there's all kinds of things that you hear that like little tiny programs that like oh that'll absorb this amount of CO2 and that'll absorb this amount of CO2. And I think we even talked about there's an algae that you can now feed to cows that will limit their methane, <laughs> like their get some of that of methane. From <laughs> yes, oh, I need some of that. Well, the problem is, it's what so we discuss, what we know about cows is it's it's burps not farts, and for Mel, it's farts not burps. So, like, it just really <laughs> the math doesn't really work out very well for for any of us, really, as it per as it pertains to that. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit more about some other uh, Tesla uh, based <laughs> companies, and let's talk about. We're talking about saving the planet. Let's go to a place that's clearly not doing that. We'll go to Las Vegas. Apparently, the boring company's loop transport system is is getting pretty close to deployment. And this thing, I guess, ended up costing 
$50 million for the system and it's going to have X's and Y's and threes and some kind of pod that they're also going to build. And it's, it's mostly initially going to be for getting you from one side of the Las Vegas connection convention center to the other side of the Las Vegas convention center. They think they're going to launch it during CES if CES actually happens, which is very unlikely, I would imagine. <laughs> uh, you can go from one side of sadness to another side of sadness <laughs> yeah, yeah, very exactly. quickly. <laughs> and, and talk about like a thing that is, is, is basically not helping at all with the world's uh, you know, energy usage, a thing like CES and, and the fact that, that that's so huge and, and that's you know, this consumer-driven world that we're, kind of, that, that we're in with, with capitalism and competition and, and economic growth. It's all, it's all based on the use of things, which means the, the use of energy to move things, make things, build things, dig things. They're mostly made out of plastic. It's, I don't know, man. I actually, in some ways, think that <laughs> there may not actually be a solution to this, and we may just be uh, moving the deck chairs around on this Titanic of ours. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's that's beyond the point. But so, so what do you guys think about this? It's 0.8 miles long, and it costs fifty million dollars. So we can kind of extrapolate how much it would cost to go a hundred miles out of that, which is a lot. Um, but the apparently they've decided to make the whole thing 15 miles and they're going to loop all around Vegas all the way to the airport as well, which in and of itself is great. Um, and I'm curious how they got that past the, the cab drivers. I'll give you my two cents on this and it's worth exactly two cents. Okay. This is proof of concept. Um, don't think about um, how efficient this is and whether the you know price per mile is right and should they have done this and this is absolutely proof of concept and sort of uh, vegas bought in and if you've ever driven to vegas down the strip disaster you know driving down the strip can take you hours to go a mile um, the monorail just recently went broke um, good idea didn't work out this is absolutely proof of concept, and so that's how it should be seen. It's going to fail in some areas. It's going to be successful in some areas. So see it for what it is. This is a grand experiment, and let's see what happens. Uh, people have criticized it because, well, it's electric cars going through there, and you should have electric trolleys, or you should have trains, and it's not as good as the London Underground in terms of efficiency. I don't think we should be seeing this as anything more than proof of concept, like hyperloops that are a mile long in the middle of uh, the desert. It's clear that's a proof of concept. So this thing is a proof of concept. See it uh, for what it is. The things that they will learn from this will be extraordinarily useful. It is nothing more than that. And it could mean that, well, yeah, this really works. We should do more of it. Or it could mean this is kind of stupid. Let's go to the next idea. So they, they got approved for the 10-mile strip. And um, the plan is to go from the airport into uh, to the strip, and we'll we'll have to see how that how that turns out. I do agree with you that it is a uh, you know, they're trying to prove out their concept um, and their digging potential. Uh, there's two interesting things I think with this is one um, is that the pod I know that they're they're using uh, Tesla cars at the moment, um, but there's there was definitely a rumor that they, there is a new vehicle or another vehicle that would be 
not a Model X, not a you know, not a Cybertruck or anything like that that would go that would be going through one of these tunnels. Something that looks and like then, a toaster. Um, well, we so we've seen that you know the the um, the concept drawings you know in the videos, right? But this is this was something um, probably two and a half months ago that was mentioned um, in uh, a California bid that Tesla was going to create a some sort of vehicle for this. But I do think it's it's it is definitely concept, and they're trying to to prove this out. And uh, there was an interview with uh, Elon, and I believe it was there was like two two interviews sort of back to back recently. But one was with the uh, the Wall Street Journal, and Elon mentioned that or was asked about the the boring company, and asked about Hyperloop, which we sort of know he sort of just created this white paper and threw the idea out to the masses and said. He didn't have, you know, the mental space to work on it. But then um, when asked in this interview, he said that this is something that the boring company could easily do. And that's the the Hyperloop piece. And I think all this other stuff, you know, this is essentially just a, you know, essentially a subway proving out cheaper building uh, of tunnels. But once we get to the Hyperloop, that's something that's significantly different and significantly potentially better Significantly yeah. better than, you know, what we have in terms of transportation. And my guess is there's a lot of places, a lot of cities, a lot of big metropolitan areas where even small 10-mile, really well-established underground electric systems could revolutionize the the fact that people would need less cars, right? Like that, like if we all move into denser areas, like there's, there's places where you could like, if New York, if Manhattan had a really replaced its antiquated subway system with just this, like these electric cars, my guess is it would be more efficient in some way, shape or form. I don't know. I mean, maybe that is a very energy efficient uh, situation already. The, the New York subway system, I don't know. The DC subway system is probably relatively efficient, but in places where they don't already have that built out, such as Las Vegas, I think if this could get, 50, 60% of most of the vehicles, which I, I mean, most of the time they feel like it's taxis and limousines, right? In, in Las Vegas, um, I would say, you know, more power to them. Like, let's, let's make it happen. The fact is that mass transport is spectacularly efficient. So let's not think that you driving your car electrically through a tunnel is more efficient than being on a train with a lot of other people. Um, it's about uh, the last mile, um, and so, again, I see this as a proof of concept. If they can learn how to dig tunnels efficiently, then we start to talk about what do you put in that tunnel? Do you put a big pod with lots of people? Uh, do you put a big pod with uh, – do you do a tunnel where there's individual pods because you know pandemics occur every 15 minutes? But in terms of efficiency, having lots of people together and moving them is very efficient efficient but uh, we need to start thinking about like can we dig these tunnels uh, to different places efficiently and then decide what to put in there sometimes it might be put a train sometimes it might be individual pods sometimes it might be cars so uh, a lot of this is about can you just dig the tunnel in a reasonably efficient manner and they're trying to create tunnels um, instead of a billion dollars a mile they're trying to get it down to ten million dollars a mile, which would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, fifty million is pretty good for for um, almost a mile. So it's taking them a while, but it's 
much less than anything we've ever built underground here in Los Angeles, that's for sure. When, when you look at buses, um, buses are extremely efficient, you know, when it's the busy time. They're, they're, they're completely packed. They have a lot of people. But if you know, well, I work, I used to work in the city, I guess. Um, what you do notice, though, also is during the off-peak times, the buses are completely empty. And that's when maybe this multimodal sort of system, these smaller units where you can get people to the last mile, but also be electric, might work work to an advantage. And I think that's what they're that's what they're trying to to study. Um, but I don't think that um, the the public transportation sector isn't going to be impressed until there's the hyperloop. All this they think is just a reinventing of or not even reinventing of a subway. Although I don't agree. I think what Mel's saying is about right. Is if you can have smaller units um, that represent, you know, about the same capacity and energy efficiency as a bus, but then you don't run those during the off-peak times, you're already saving a lot of energy. And maybe those could even be used for for grid, um, grid storage type uses as well later on. But the only way to not run them all the time, I mean, the reason that public transportation runs all the time is because it's not autonomous. There's people that have jobs, right? Like there's unions, there's, you know, that's why those buses run all day long. I would imagine they, they have much more limited service in some ways or they slow down a little bit during the day. But even if there's two people on that bus, those two people really need that bus, I imagine. Well, I'm not saying it's not worth it. I'm just saying that there, there's an opportunity there. Um, sorry, it, that there's an opportunity there to, uh, to do a little bit better and be a, a little bit more efficient. I was just thinking in terms of energy. So what you're saying is at rush hour, you need the bus. And then at 3 a.m., you need the vehicle to take a fractional part of those people around, and that would be much more efficient, although it's not proportionally efficient, to have a smaller vehicle. And don't think about the bus driver because, Tom, I'm sorry, the bus driver, he or no, she... No, I understand that. I'm just saying, like, that's part of the model right now. That's one of the reasons that Yeah, but that, that model that is so like clearly sure. gone so very soon. It's about the size of the vehicle yeah. and the efficiency of the energy. So you need... Uh, big vehicle, and then, uh, if, as this pandemic has shown, you need to be able to also toggle. Like uh, another pandemic, instead of going from bus, we need just like a thousand single occupant vehicles, and we could do that theoretically in a system like this. With HEPA filters. How awesome With, is that? And UV lights, right, yeah. that, that come in. like Very after, strong UV lights. Very strong UV lights. Yeah, maybe even light. And that you can bring inside. into the body, somehow yes. inject to yes. bring inside. Yeah, but it, I, I it, think, you know, I'm excited by this, you know, by, the, by, ha- by seeing this thing. I think Vegas was a perfect place to put this thing, to be completely honest with you. There's, there's going to be all kinds of things that they can test in a very small amount. A lot of people, super big events with even more people, right? So they're going to have like surge capacity. They're going to have less amount of people capacity. They're going to have people going to stadiums, football games, hockey games. Like there's going to be all these things that they can gather all of this data on that I think is is a big a potential lab, like Mel was saying. Like I really do think that they're going to get so much good information out of how to do this right. 
Who would have thought that the most useless city in the United States could turn out to be the best lab in the United States? <laughs> and that's well, really what we're seeing here, that they're going to be the experimental center for something that's really interesting. Right. But otherwise, it's a sad place. Well, they've done a lot of really good studies on how much tequila a twenty a group of twenty two year olds can actually imbibe in in a two hour period, and and that's that's been real real important to the to the people of 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 that uh, that age group over the over the course of the year. Now, we did talk a little bit earlier about uh, Gigafactory Berlin, and apparently, I don't know if you guys knew this, but apparently Tesla shipping. 4680 cells inside Model Y prototypes to Germany. How'd you like to get your hands on one of those guys? Yeah, Joel, can we get you into a prototype, Joel? Can we get you into a prototype? (laughs) How about a prototype, Joel? A prototype. We got one for you. (laughs) Oh. Say that again. Uh, so they, so basically, the Fremont, the Fremont factory, not Fremont, Las Vegas, but the Fremont factory has that little mini test uh, battery plant that they built, right, to to make these forty six eighties at 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 scale, we'll call it. And they've taken some of those forty six eighty cells and they've put them into the new Model Y architecture that they hope to build in the Berlin Gigafactory. So they've got this the what we were talked about in the last show, the structural architecture. So they took a bunch of structural architecture Y frames, put the forty six eighties in them to provide the structure, right, to those to those frames and ship those off to Berlin so they could build their factory to be able to build that at scale right so like they're they're moving forward with what we talked about in terms of of 4680s in berlin uh model y structural architecture being all piloted in berlin and this is one step forward and that's that was speculation the last time we talked about it this article by tasmanian is basically uh, about the fact that Elon tweeted and confirmed all of that. Like, this is happening. Thoughts? So, yeah. So, Elon um, said, uh, responding to that that Tasmanian, um, that Giga Berlin will be the first to use not only the structural architecture, so the the front and back will be... um, single piece castings or there'll be two pieces um will be the first to use the the, you know that architecture will be the first to use the 46 millimeter by 80 millimeter um cells um and then uh but they'll also be produced there uh and then um we talked about the casting and then uh, uh we'll be first to use this advanced paint shop that everybody's been talking about all of that together is um, what they'll be doing. And he's saying, well, geez, you know, even though we're doing this, there's a lot of um, newness here and it may take a little bit of time to do, but we're, that's what we're planning on doing. So those are some interesting, uh, some interesting pieces there. And this was, this article is pretty much written off of somebody else's tweet and then, but Elon confirmed it. So that's, that's always good to hear. Do we know, are they increasing the capacity of the um, cells? Uh, is this going to be like the 500-mile Model Y? or 
Because I, I, if I understand it, and I don't think I understand any of this, if they took that sled and put the 4680s in there, this Model Y could potentially, if they filled it up, have like five or 600 miles capacity. But uh, please explain. I think the first thing is going to be about, it's going to be about cost and production costs is if you can mold uh, the, the back half in one piece, if you can mold the front half in one piece, and if you can save a lot of weight by essentially gluing a whole bunch of batteries together, that's, that's going to be a cost story first. Um, mm. I, uh, so I, I, I think that's what they're trying to, th- what, what I think they're going to do first. Um, and we'll just have to see, uh, if they end up using some of that savings, the weight savings to give a really long range vehicle or not. So according to the, the, the picture that's part of this, it was a 10% reduction in mass, 370 fewer parts, which is a phenomenal amount of fewer parts, which means likely a lot less energy to put the thing together because a lot less weld point and, and stuff like that. And a 14% range increase opportunity, which on a 360 mile range model Y would be about, would make it about 410 mile range. It adds about 50 miles. That's about what the 14, 14% uh, would be. I don't know who's next. I think it might be Mel and then Joel. I'm just going to say, damn, and then throw to Joel. <laughs> yeah, so even though they're talking about, oh, geez, we could get all this extra range, they may use that weight savings to just have less cells and keep it within a range of like, you know, 350 to 400 versus going over 400. They may, may, they may, they may go more, but I bet they're going to try to hit a cost number as well. Yeah, outside of Mel... Everybody else might not need 900 miles of range. And really, our goal is to put more vehicles on the road. So I agree that that is probably a good idea. Just save on cells so that you can build more cars. But what I'm interested in detail in this is that they're saying that they have made, Tesla in Fremont has made 17 of these Model Y prototypes using this Mm -hmm. new technology. I haven't seen any. I would love to see them. I'm not sure, like... If, if you could note, if you could tell the difference between the two cars, probably not, unless you get into the undercarriage. Yeah, my guess is it's the same wrapping and stuff like that. Yeah, you couldn't tell. I mean, you've really got to get up in the, in the undercarriage and check things out, and you've got to be Sandy Monroe, and you've got to pull things apart. Um, so if I'm, – I'm very confused here. So um, does that mean if you're using the structural undercarriage – and these cells are much bigger. How does that work if you're basically getting, you know, you know Joel said maybe you get a 400-mile range battery. Does that mean that there's like battery giant space, battery giant space, battery giant space compared to the current Y? Because it feels like um, because of the size and the, the height of these cells that you could do that in a very small volume. And so the rest of the skid needs to be full of gel or stuff, uh, or there's huge diff, uh, distance between the cells because if you packed all the cells in there and then poured in the epoxy, this would be like a 500, 
or a thousand mile battery. So well, you, what you does have this to, thing you have look to remember like? Remember, the cells are much bigger, right? So like they take up more. The each cell has more space, and each cell has more energy density. So it, it's it's not necessarily apples to apples as it pertains to that aspect of it. But basically, what they're giving, they're using the batteries to add the rigidity, which remo- which reduces the amount of actual material they need in the frame itself, right? So the, right now, the frame holds the battery, right, and the frame is independently structurally independently structural from the battery these batteries are going to become part of it it's basically like if you take a cardboard box you can kind of fold the sides and it bends it right if it's empty but if you put a bunch of stuff and you fill that cardboard box it's much more rigid but it's fundamentally the same cardboard box on the outside but it has more structure so you can use a single wall cardboard box in that particular or you might be able to get away with only having two of the walls of your cardboard box because the batteries make the other you know, make the the other walls kind of uh, a little more rigid. But I, I agree. I, it's interesting that like they've built these, they're going to Germany so the Germans can see how to build them. Like that's basically what's happening. Right. And and, and build them efficiently. Um, to Mel's, maybe partly to Mel's question. So there probably are still different battery pack sizes. And in that case, Mel, I would agree that there would be some a lesser amount of batteries, obviously, right? So um, I, I still think there'll be a big uh, cuboid of stuck-together batteries, but there might be a space in the back or in the front in order to to take up... Well, it's going to have to take up less space, so that's how they're going to do it. But they're not going to leave space, more space between cells. The cells are going to be pretty much, for the most part, all stuck together, and it's just going to be pushed up to the front or pushed up push to the back or maybe in the center to, to you know, depending on how they want to, they want to do it. But, uh, it, it, that, I mean, there's still a lot that we don't know yet about this. Right. But so if you look at this Tasmanian article, if you click on the link that's in our show notes, there's a photo from the tweet, I guess is where it came from, or maybe it came from battery day and we just didn't, didn't realize what we were looking at. But if you look at this, you can see the one piece body, you can see sort of the, the front edge, and you can see all of these battery modules kind of like distributed about it. And they're not necessarily like you said in one, they're not in one big pack. There's some on another level, like where the, maybe the third row seat would, would potentially see it. And there's some, some other modules. So I, I mean, it doesn't answer your question, but maybe it gives you a little bit more kind of knowledge by looking at this photo. Yeah. I don't think we can, uh, extrapolate too much from this. This is, uh, uh, it's an artist rendering. But what Joel and I are saying is these batteries are much bigger and they're taller. And so you can get 75 or 82 kilowatts into what is physically a smaller volume. And I wish he's smaller footprint. It's not smaller that much footprint. smaller though, right? Because the batteries are like one no, battery. No, it is. I think it is. I think it's significantly smaller in terms of you've got this, if we think about the skid, the sort of a skateboard design, instead of filling up that whole region of the skateboard, you're now like, it's a much smaller part of the skateboard. And I think Joel's right. You wouldn't um, spread the batteries out. You'd keep them pretty close together for efficiency reasons. And so the back end and the front end are going to have to be filled up with goop, you know, foam, something. 
unless they fill it all up with batteries, which is what I want them to do for at least an extra few dollars. If they fill that whole thing up with batteries, it could have a range, a kilowatt hour thing of 150 kilowatt hours. It could be, uh, you know, having 700 miles range. So you would take this battery and you'd squeeze it down to a smaller bit, put some stuff on the end. Um, if I understand what they're doing with this bigger, taller, fatter, more energy dense battery. Right. But I think your, your head is still in this like power pack, this thing that's one thing that you can, you know, pull out of the bottom of the car. They've completely rethought everything about how they put the batteries together because again, the batteries are making structure. So it's not this pack that you plug into the rest of the car. This is an all integrated thing. And, and again, I'm, I've been confused about this from the very, very beginning of it in terms of the size of the batteries because it feels like the batteries, each one battery is about the size of four old batteries, but they have more, they have 14% more energy in that space. But, and I thought Joel explained this to us, but maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's, it's only 14, like if you think about it from that from that perspective, you need 14% less space to have the same amount of battery energy that you currently have, right? Like, is that how the math would work backwards? So you're only saving 14% of space, which is not a lot of physical space, Mel. Right. And the one other piece that you're getting too is that the batteries will, will be touching each other in this case versus the spacing that you had for the cooling lines. So the cooling is going to be at the bottom, uh, most likely going to be at the bottom. Um, what, what did I say last week? It will definitely, most likely, be at the bottom. Yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> until until it's not. So there's going to be a lot. <laughs> there is going to be more, even more savings of space. But I think we can we take this picture that they have here on Tasmanian with a grain of salt that did come from Battery Day. Um, I think that some parts are actually just electronics is part of here and right. I, I still believe that most of it is going to be like uh, if you watch uh sandy monroe's thanksgiving day special he kind of showed what he thought it would be and he's been pretty close to being right so far so i'm going to go with what what he has to say and, and it's really about one big mass glued together to be as rigid as possible so when your car is driving it's really tight but where is the mass like is, is the mass the floor the mass is uh well below the floor, but yeah, at the floor. But that's one. But it, like basically yeah. the floor. Yeah, the- yeah. So if you want to, uh, um, the best place to put like if if you could just have one battery, but it was super heavy, you'd put it, you'd put it in between the driver, the passenger, and the so almost the dead center of the car, and mm-hmm. that's a perfect spot for it. So if if in a perfect world, Tesla would move the batteries so that they're completely centered as centered as possible around that center piece of the car. But a lot of times they, you know, in some ways it may not matter with just a small amount of batteries, but we'll, we'll ultimately see. But, um, that's, hmm. that's my guess too. I'm going to say again, I don't really understand this, but looking at Sandy's stuff, the, height of the battery, the density of the battery, the way they put it together. If you took the whole skid, 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 
if you did in my model Y, where they take up the whole bottom part of the 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 battery, they can make that much smaller. So what else is in that? If they took um, that whole bottom part of your car, the like the flat part of your car that if you I'm trying to give you this visual, that whole bottom part of the car, and you made it a little bit bigger, you could put a huge amount of energy density in there and I'd like to see them do a version of that where I can say I want to pay extra for the 600 mile range because you did this bigger, fatter, more energy dense um, thing. But if they don't do that and it's just, you know, you're only going to get 82 kilowatt hours, they'll have to put some other stuff in there. It doesn't really matter what that stuff is. You can put cheap stuff in there. Or nothing. Right, and, but, or nothing, or nothing. But the yeah. point is, you've got this volume of stuff that they're saying that they can do better, more juicy. Um, I just all I want to say is like I hope they offer us the opportunity right. at some point to fill that whole thing up with batteries and say, oh my god, your Model Y gets a thousand mile range if you fill up that volume at the bottom of your car with batteries. I have an additional questions about this. So what you started to talk about structure, Melvis, and one of the things in terms of because they're making it structural, because it's going to be so integral to the safety of the vehicle, I think actually that's going to make it more difficult for them to offer bigger, um, bigger batteries to a certain extent because they're going to have to have all of those crash tested, right? They're going to have to have all of that. That's going to really, if you have... 40% of the space taken up by a battery, and then you have some other battery that takes up 80% of the space, for instance, right? That's a vastly different structural component. And I think they really have shown that they want to get away from that. They want to make a car with a structure in a way so they can make as many of them as they possibly, possibly can. I don't think, uh, Mel, that the design team at Tesla really cares what kind of car you want. In fact, I don't think they really care <laughs> what kind of car Joel wants or I want or Tom wants. Why? Because in a very short period of time, they're not going to be making cars for us. They're going to be making cars for autonomous taxi. And that will be it. We've talked about this. I know that reality doesn't really feel like it's coming. That we think because we're old men, let's face it, we are old men. We think that we will be able to get into our car and drive wherever the hell we want to drive forever. But that's not how it's going to be. I think we're going to have a time when there there is no cars. It's going to be a post-car my buggy, world. My buggy, I, my buggy is parked I, outside, Robert, and I will get in it right now, and I will walk over to your place in two days. I totally agree with you, Robert. And that's why I think that the size of a 300-mile battery is wrong because I think you're exactly right. I think that the battery size in the Y of the future and the 3 of the future is much more than that because you need to think about this car is going to drive around for 20 hours a day, bringing people and dropping people off and doing that stuff, and then charging for a few hours. So the bigger battery pack actually makes sense because 300 is good. But if you're a taxi driving people to LAX and going here and then going there, 
it's not enough. So um, I agree with you, but I think that means that the battery pack has to get much bigger. My guess is it's sort of like a 700-mile, 800-mile range. Did you guys see the um, uh, Zooks? I think it was Zooks or... Yeah, I feel like it was Z-O-O-X car that was was, uh, unveiled by... Um, uh, Amazon. It, it's eventually. It's it's essentially an Amazon the company. Toaster? Um, yeah, that one's a toaster for sure. Um, it can go. Uh, it can f- drive either backwards or forward. It doesn't really have a front and back, and you sit basically on either end. It it only seats four people. Um, but it has a hundred and thirty uh, kilowatt hour battery pack. Essentially, they're gearing it. You know, saying the average speed's about 25 miles an hour, um, it'll last about 15 hours. And so um, that's sort of what they're thinking, how it would work. I think there's other ways to think about that, Mel, too, though, is I think you could have a car that could just get through each rush hour and then charge in between. Um, And then you could build more cars. So if it's a race to who, who can have the most amount of cars, maybe you don't put 200 uh kilowatt hours in your car maybe you put in 60 or 50 and then you have four times as many cars i don't know we'll ultimately see how that i was going to say mel that maybe what we're not seeing here is the perspective of tesla in which they're looking at a cell production line and a timeline of how many cells they can put out. And oops, what is this? Utility X just came along and said, we want to replace a power plant. We basically need like 2 billion cells. So they're going to say, sorry, Mel, you're not going to get your 600 mile range. We're going to make a car that's autonomous. That'll work just optimally for what we can, what we need. So it's probably a bit of uh, all of that, right? Mm -hmm. It's probably what Joel said. There's a bunch of cars that uh, charge quickly and go back. There's probably cars like I'm talking about that just like drive all day. And there's energy storage. So it's a bit of all of that. But from a climate change point of view, I go back to what I said a little while ago. If this is not produced in a spectacularly energy efficient uh, manner, uh, we're all going to burn in hell. And the Amazon's going to go away. So, um, wow, that's a freaking uh, buzzkill right there, bro. I mean, no, like, is it's there, a bit of a buzzkill. Are, are they, but are the, they the mo- point is that every kilowatt hour we produce for all of these solutions that you're talking about, and I think it's very smart. Every kilowatt hour of energy storage that gets produced better be produced spectacularly efficiently. Well, let me ask you this question, and I don't know, maybe you guys, maybe we talked about this, but I don't, I don't remember. Like, are there lithium mines near, in Germany? Like, are they getting that lithium locally? Um, there is a, uh, there's one in, it's either Poland or the former Czech Republic um, that it sounds like Tesla has a con- has some sort of contract with with and okay. then there's also a, a plant although tesla is not going to be probably not going to be getting um lithium mm-hmm. from that location and lithium again is only about three percent of a cell right now okay. 
So really, you should be asking me, well, where's nickel? the nickel coming? Right. Is there from? nickel in, in Germany then? Or I have no idea. In Europe? <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, my guess but, is that... that but but that, the thing is, I think that lithium... Yes, it's a small amount, but lithium is also typically not as widespread as some of the other minerals, right? Like lithium needs kind of like very specific places where like there used to be an ocean, so there's a lot of lithium. At least that's that's my my inclination or, or what I what I'm thinking. I remember about is like dry lake beds, dry ocean areas, so things things like that. And and maybe those are everywhere. Again, I, I'm only asking the question as like. Do you guys know, are they getting all of this stuff locally to, to, to advance what Mel has been talking about for most of this show now? Yeah, but volume per volume, because lithium is such a small amount of the cell, you could just fill up, I don't know, 25 containers of lithium and ship them versus needing, you know, a thousand containers of nickel for a year's right. worth of yeah, yeah. battery production. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I totally... I totally get that. Again, I, I I think it's just it's fascinating that we went from how long ago was Battery Day? Now, like six months, more than six months. I, I don't four three months. So from Battery Day, and they were already producing these cells, and to now they've shipped seventeen of these things to Germany, so those guys could learn how to make them. That's that's pretty impressive, right? They've they revamped the technology, created the technology, revamped the structure of the vehicles, created the structure of the vehicles, produced both of those things, put them together, and sent them to Germany in three months. Pretty impressive. So I guess what we need to do on this show, and Elon is already ahead of us and others are ahead of us, is stop talking about these lithium, stop talking about cobalt, stop talking about batteries stop talking about cars and start thinking about the total co2 production for the thing you want to achieve and this discussion this evening is really made that very clear to me um we need to stop talking about the little bits and talk about the big bits how do you run your society in a carbon neutral or as people are now talking about, a carbon-negative fashion. So you can have a car that's, you know, runs on electric uh, energy. But where's that energy come from? How much? So it's a bigger picture now. Yeah. And I'm not I, sure we've ever thought about that before. And maybe, we, and we're not maybe, we totally need to start talking about um, how to... And I don't know if there's probably research on this. This activity that I want to do, I want to be alive. Me, Mel Herbert, I want to be alive for 85 years. How do I do that on this planet and not burn more energy than I use? And that's about uh, what I eat, what I use for energy. It's how I create that energy. It's what I drive around in. We need to start thinking bigger about this it's not just about well tesla when i drive i use this much energy and i've been thinking about this a lot because my house is 100 percent solar powered for the whole year but my cars it's only about 80 percent. but then i didn't think about how my car was produced and i didn't think about how the energy that i ate was produced so this is a the bigger picture and we need to start talking about like 
from a very big point of view, how do we make what we do sustainable? Because the only energy we should ever use is what we get from the sun. And we need to convert that to things, even the things we dig up. So that's a bit more than just what you drive around on. Right, but it's not just energy from the sun. You have thermal energy, you have wind, water energy, you have wind energy. Again, they're all related all to the sun. All of that. I know. All, all of that comes yeah. from the sun. Right, right, right. All, all related to the sun. Um, well, not necessarily thermal, but uh, you know, we can we can agree to disagree on that. But I think you know, it, it, it it's about that. That unfortunately comes comes down to like how we live our lives, how we buy things how we shop locally like those that requires like real individual difficult individual choices in a lot of way like we should all be living in like 400 square feet and like all all kinds of things like that um and 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 that i think is harder for people to to want to do and to want to change and to come to grips with like you know you got to keep your phone for 10 years or keep everything you buy for as long as you possibly can. And when you're done with it, have somebody else be able to use that thing, not build obsolescence into all of the products that we do, but that's not the engine of the world economy. The engine of the world economy is capitalism and replacement and this and that. And the other thing, and, and I, you know, as much as you say this on one hand, on the other hand, Almost 90% of these shows, you're asking for a car with a thousand miles of range, which is like completely counter to that, that level of thinking. And I don't say that to call you out in any way, shape or form, but I'm just saying like, that's the sort of thinking that's easy for us to like allow to creep into what we do. That is counter to the big picture that you're talking about. What I'm, I guess no, what, everything you're saying is true, but what I'm looking for now is, and people are doing this, the true cost of what you do, because everything is about the economies. Um, Mel buys a new iPhone every year. He gives it away, and he gives it to his friends in Kenya, and he whatever. But if I could know the true cost of what I'm doing, that would be really helpful, and there's a that it's very difficult mathematically mm. to do that. Yeah, but would but it change no, your like, behavior, right? But would it change your behavior? Yes, it would, because uh, if if somebody said the true cost, Mel, the true cost of you buying a new iPhone, if we can go back all the way to the minerals and everything, that new iPhone is ten thousand dollars. Mel would go, I'm not going. I'm not getting a new iPhone this year. If somebody could tell me, well, that new cost of a iPhone is $10,000, but you're going to give it to somebody who doesn't have an iPhone in Kenya is $8,000. I'd be like, still not right. So it's the true cost, the, the carbon cost. And people are working on this, people who are way smarter than us. I'm I'm really like to get to that true cost because I go to Amazon, it's like 30 bucks. But I would like to start getting to this point of the true cost. No, Mel, that thing that you think you want is not thirty bucks. It's three thousand dollars when it comes to the planet. Guess what? I'm not buying that. Right, but but you already know the answer is to not get it. Right, like the answer at the end of the day, because you're no, talking about you're talking no. about money. You're talking about money and it's not about 
about usage of of natural resources or no energy. but that's if you can put no it's not true because i don't know that number but if you could start to put a number on the true cost like sea level rise and then you have to do the true cost of that and again academics are working on this i would not buy for example tom i want to buy your present I want to buy you a present of a, a goat that laughs um, when you click it. And it's $2. But Amazon goes, the true cost of that is $2,000 after you figure all this thing in. Guess what, Tom? You're not getting that. I'm giving you a hug instead. Yeah, so this is exactly... I like what Joel's saying visually, but I'm going to step on that first and say that the example just happened here in this show between an hour and 35 of this show and an hour and 43 of this show, my computer, which I didn't go buy a brand new Apple MacBook Pro, which I should have done. I bought a refurbished MacBook Pro. And I thought, oh, this is going to be great. I'm reusing someone's computer. I'm saving, I don't know, like it was $800 less, etc. And here it went again. The whole freaking thing just hiccuped. It's just not working it, for, the, for what I needed to do now. So running this video, running GarageBand, running my, my other screen with my, my uh, whatever, the show notes and the the, the stuff on the web that I'm looking at, it just isn't cutting it. So here I went, tried to save money, tried to save the planet, and I screwed the the screwed over the podcast. And EJ's gonna have to do all this extra work. <laughs> but I agree with Joel. Go ahead, Joel. Um, so it, it doesn't capture every piece of what Mel is wa wants here, but uh, right. a carbon tax, and there are revenue neutral carbon taxes. Meaning, at the end of the year, you get the money back. Those things help you get to a point where you understand your, the impact of what you're buying. Right, but and sometimes it's sometimes it's really big carbon. Sometimes it's really small. Tom, I'll, I'll yield a little bit, but I want the floor still. No, it's fine. No, you can have it. I, I was just going to say, but what but what that does is it makes things more expensive, which means you buy less things. Right. Like, uh, I mean, that's that's the that's what it's that's what it's trying to do in that particular essence in some ways, because it's, it's trying just, to make you weigh what, you know, these things actually are, um, you know, like if you if you're if there's a carbon tax on cars, then you're like, OK, I could buy this car. I could buy this car. Oh, this car actually is less is truly less expensive mm -hmm. um, because of this. And that's a that's a good forcing function. But the other piece of um, what I know Washington or Seattle's tried to do this, but they haven't succeeded yet because, um, but they've gotten really close is trying to do a revenue neutral carbon tax. Essentially what that means is, is at the end of the year, you get that money back, but you're still throughout the year, you're still making those choices and you then, um, it, but at the same point, we're not having this argument about taxes essentially. But we're putting we're placing um, value on or carbon value on things, and so you know both Chevron and Exxon have lobbied Congress in various ways about having a carbon tax, partly because 
they want they don't want to be liable like they're starting to become liable for some um, climate change type things. Massachusetts is suing Exxon, for example. But I think it, it's not perfect. But honestly, this whole thing isn't perfect. But it's a, a much better way to get you closer. Right. But it, I'll tell you this: if if Two oil companies are for the carbon tax. That bit is flawed, right? It just has to be flawed. In no, some I think. Shape or well, form. you know what? Though, I, I think that um, it's the reason why they're for it is to be able to get out of some responsibility for. Uh, they don't want to get sued later on, but they're going to get sued, and they're not going to because uh, they they've known about this for. Well, I've seen articles that were written in nineteen like nineteen eighteen or something like that on carbon and how it that's yes. it's going to warm the planet so we all knew that way back when yeah so but we're all i think we're all culpable we're all driving we're, yes we're, we were all driving um gasoline cars and we didn't care now we do care now we what we need to do is to tweak the economy such that it works in that favor so i'm gonna take a little bit of umbrage like we're we we were all driving gas cars because that was the option. It was a gas car or it was public transportation, mm-hmm. and those that those were those were choices and better choices for people who lived in cities where public transportation makes more sense, or in cities where they had an actual robust public transportation. Not the case in Los Angeles because they pulled out four thousand miles of of what was what was our public transportation system to get cars. So, I mean, there's a little bit of that. And and until Tesla came around, proof of concept for electric cars, I mean, even EV1, great vehicle, weren't very many of them, hard to get, right? Like, it, it wasn't like there were all of these electric cars that were available for us and we just ignored them. Right. That it wasn't that wasn't the case. And even today, there's one car company on the planet making electric cars at scale. And even their scale is tiny. Is a is a drop in the bucket overall of what's happening in the transportation system. So like I agree so with you. If we can get a better measure, again, smart PhD people, better measure of this. I think companies will have a better understanding of how much carbon they've introduced into the world mm-hmm. and what we can do about it. And that's the key thing. Yeah. So I have a little tiny company and it's based on the internet and transportation. And I think I'm being really good because I've got solar panels on my house. I've got solar panels on the studio and I've got solar panels here and we're doing – if if we can get a little bit closer to saying, but in the last 20 years, the amount of carbon you dumped into the atmosphere is X thousand tons. What you need to do is bigger than that, is much bigger than that. Then um, it, it becomes very useful to say, okay, we need to take 10% of revenue, 20% of revenue in the next 10 years and rebuild um, forests. You think you're doing good because you're right now carbon neutral, but you're not because for the last 20 years, you dumped a whole bunch of carbon into the atmosphere, which is going to have this effect. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I, and again, I think there are people that are doing this. 
I feel pretty good right now, but I want somebody to say to me, Mel, guess what? Um, everything you're doing right now is kind of crap. What you need to do is put in $100,000 a year for the next 10 years and put it into rebuilding forests as a small company. And I think uh, that would be spectacularly helpful because that would be that would hurt our bottom line. That would be difficult, but that would be right. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying we need researchers and people to say, here's the actual damage you've done. And when you look at the actual damage that's been done by some countries, hello, United States, hello, uh, the Middle East, it's quite enormous. So putting... $10 billion into a solar farm into uh, the North Africa, that's pretty cool. But guess what? Your carbon footprint is 10x that and let's build some forests. That's what I'm talking about. We need yeah, to get that I, number I, I, and let's I, do I, that. But you don't, I guess the question is, is like, it feels to me like that number is known or that that number it, it should be known at this point, and yet we all, everybody, you know, because we continue to do to 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 live our lives in a way that forces mass deforestation in a lot of places to provide food, to provide economic growth to other countries. I mean, like we've you know we've taken out a lot of our forests right so we've done like if you're are you talking about the united states since like the day it was founded and since the day it started to take off trees it's just like that's a huge situation and 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 i and, and again this is I, I hope this doesn't feel like an attack because it's 100% not meant to be an attack but maybe instead of buying all of those solar panels like maybe because the it it took carbon and we knew that there was going to be some kind of carbon payback material in the production of those, the drilling, the digging, the transportation, all the other stuff, maybe not putting up solar panels was the answer. And, you know, putting $500,000 into like the Amazon rainforest and saving 150,000 acres of the Amazon rainforest that's gone would have been the same amount of money, but had a bigger overall impact. I don't know the answer to that question. I'm not, again, not calling you out in any way, shape or form, because I think what, what you've said many, many times is we have to kind of do both at the same time. So it's like, you need to get the solar panels and on top of that, donate the extra money. And maybe that's what you're, you guys are thinking about as it pertains. Maybe that's what the carbon tax is theoretically supposed to do. That, you know, that, that's exactly what I'm saying. What we should be doing is put up your solar panels, uh, drive your electric car, and then me as a corporation, because I have a corporation, and now you need to pay Amazon farmers do not deforest. And the way you're not going to deforest is I'm going to give you $10,000 a year uh, per acre or per 10,000 acres, and that's your income because you're sequestering that. So I'm agreeing with you absolutely 100%. But that's the way we need to think about this. We need to think about, and again, Microsoft has stalled about this, not just from now, but from what I did for the last 20 years, my company for the last 20 years. You have a debt of $2 million. How's the best way to spend that $2 million? Solar panels, electric uh, batteries, 
or go to the rainforest to a whole bunch of farmers and say, for the next 10 years, here's what you're going to do. Not burn that shit down. Let that uh, carbon sequestration occur. Very complicated. But I'm agreeing with you, I'm agreeing with you, Tom, 100%. Because if they burn down the Amazon because they need the money to eat, a disaster. I want to say to those farmers, I'm going to pay you. Don't do that. Yeah, I think it's just, it's, it, it's so, it's so very, very challenging because, you know, people want to be, you know, what, what do societies move towards not being, right? They move towards not being agrarian. They move towards being industrial. They move towards all these other things. So it's sort of like, you know, unfortunately we've the West, we'll call it instead of focusing just on the United States, but the West are industrialized nations have sort of caused this. And now the real answer is to put a pause on any more industrialization or, or, or really limit industrialization in a way that you're, then the way that you're talking about is like, you can build a factory if you're India, right? You can build all these factories, but you got to do it in a super efficient, energy efficient way. And it has to have all these additional costs. But you know, as well as I do, that that's difficult for like, to add those additional costs to startups. Like if, if you were Tesla, for instance, if we were saying to Tesla, you're about to build all of these factories, you're about to go on this, this thing in 2012, but we're going to charge you an extra $2 billion a year to be able to do this. Tesla doesn't exist today, right? Like, and, and I'm not, again, not poo-pooing it because I agree with you, but I think it opens up some additional challenges. So I absolutely agree with you. So this is the uh, first world tax. Um, India, uh, wherever you are, the tax is, yes, of course you want to bring your people up to a middle class um, standard of living. We did it on the back of fossil fuels. We did this, we found this cheap, really energy dense thing and we effed up the world. So you cannot say to all of those countries, well, you can't do that. We have to say to those countries, you can do that. Let's do it on the basis of renewable energy, and we are going to pay for it. And there are, of course, many people in um, industrialized countries like, well, I'm not paying for India to get lots of solar panels, and this is what we need to do. It's like, no, yeah. we became rich. We did what we did. We became middle class because we burnt shit. And that shit is worth trillions of dollars to the yeah. planet. But so we're going to say to those people, no, we're going to move you to the middle class and we're going to help pay for it. That's a very difficult thing to get through um, Congress. But that's what we need to say. It's like, we did it basically on sense like a tiny amount of dollars because we didn't know it cost much. But if you go to India and say, you can't become middle class because it's too expensive, it's bullshit. We have to do a tax on the first world to make the first and middle income countries get to where we are, but do it cleanly. It, it basically is reparations. Yeah, I mean that's Paris we're too, paying, right? We're, that's the Paris Climate yeah. Accord in a lot of ways. Like that's what it's supposed to be doing theoretically in 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 some ways and I'll let you go Robert. 
Yeah, no, it's just like paying for, in other words, uh, it forces people in power who have economic power to look back and, and, and come to terms with the fact that they have that power, they've inherited it or they've earned it on the backs of many other people, like the island nations that are currently getting submerged under the water because of the rising sea levels. And, you know, they need these uh, entitled people, of which I'm one of them, need to become responsible for that. And, and it takes away potentially some resources from me, but at the same time, um, it does make the planet a much more egalitarian place, and it's much kinder to our fellow humans. This is exactly what you said, Robert. So why is America rich? Because they built their economy on the backs mostly of African slaves. And so at some point, do you say, well, we should do reparations for that? And this is now playing on a global scale. Mm -hmm. Why is the West rich? We burnt coal and we burnt um, uh, petrol and we did all this stuff that's now affecting poorer countries. Yeah. So at some point, you have to say reparations. And it's not like we're going to give away all the money. And this is what I find people have a hard do. Now, it's like 20%, 30%. Let's do that. Let's spend 20 or 30% of our GDP and fix the thing that we did. But we did that, and let's stop around assuming we didn't, because we did. And in Australia... We didn't have African slaves, we had white slaves. We had white slaves from Great Britain. And Australia's economy grew really big because we had these people that like stole a piece of bread and then we said like, well, for the next seven years, you got to work seven days a week and you're basically a slave. So the point is, uh, can we just like take this ridiculous difference between the rich and the poor and just bring it down a little bit? And accept the fact we're rich because you're poor. And we need to do that. And that's the same for the planet. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's a very tall order in my opinion, because I mean US GDP in twenty US GDP in twenty eighteen was uh twenty trillion dollars. So you're looking at what, four trillion dollars a year? Yeah, let's do that because it's bullshit because if we, you know, again, if you talk to the PhD people, if you get rid of these ridiculous, the, the super rich and the super poor, and you just bring them back together, maybe to like 10x of each other. So the person working on the floor of the car factory makes a dollar, and the person who is running the factory makes 10x, you have a very, very efficient economy. What we have in America is the person on the floor is making a dollar and the person working in the C-suite is making 10000 that. And that's where we've effed this up. Capitalism is good, but we have out-of-control capitalism. Yeah, I, you know, again, there's so many, so many challenging 
aspects of, of all of that stuff. I don't, you know, I, I think it has to be done because, uh, you know, I think otherwise we're, we're again, we're moving the deck chairs around on the Titanic in a lot of ways, but I think because it will, won't be done in that way with that kind of scale, like it just don't, I don't see, I just don't see that happening. And, you know, that, that's, uh, that's my take on it. Well, that, 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 uh, is so connected to a show that I was going to put in my media picks, but now I'll definitely keep it out <laughs> because all it is is about <laughs> people who are trading paper in England and like have no regard for even the people working next to them at the, at the next desk. They are just so cutthroat and it's so hard to watch. So should we should we do a supercharger update? I mean, I don't know if we. I mean, we can we could literally do five shows a week on this very topic. I'm sure, and give all kinds of our opinions on it. I don't know if we should move on from this. Uh, yeah, let's talk superchargers since, since all chargers. In fact, we're going to make this. You know, I I know I got Joel's suggestion, and you last show kind of pushed me towards looking at Electrify America. So let's make this a charger update. Okay. Although I think superchargers are the coolest of chargers, but I am biased. So how many open superchargers do you think we have since our last show, which was on 12-8? So that's, um, what is that? That's nine days. Nine days nine ago. Days. It's been only nine days. Nine only nine days. days. I'm, I'm really terrible I'm thinking 20,000. I'm, 20, I'm really, really quite terrible at this game. I'm going to say seven. So you say seven, Tom, seven new superchargers. And Mel says 20 million, was it? 20,000. I said 20,000, 20, but I'm okay. going to say just 20. I, the thousand was a little bit upsetting. Okay, so you're going to say 20. And uh, Joel, we were saying in, in only uh, nine days, how many superchargers do you think we got? 17. 17. Well, ready? Drum roll says Mel hits it on the head. Twenty. Of course, because I'm eight, so nine. Suck at this game. <laughs> when I say it's a lot, it's none. When I say it's none, it's a lot. This game's stupid. I'm not playing it. Can I give you some advice, Tom? Can I give you some advice? Yeah. You're thinking yeah, about please. it too much. Just shoot from the hip. Mel's like I, I, I make this shit up. <laughs> I shoot from the hip. I'm just my hip is broken. Apparently, I don't yeah. Know well, what, you know, Mel, Mel shoots from the undercarriage. What can I say? <laughs> uh, a totally is. unwashed undercarriage for months at a time. That's disgusting. I'm glad we got to get back to the undercarriage. So, so we got 20 so new superchargers. 20. We've got, uh, and that includes an expansion of the Malibu supercharger. Which you know, since you were talking about the Kardashians earlier, is critical. Now we have, there, there were six uh, standard superchargers. The, uh, actually, they were the, I think they were the slow ones, the 72 kilowatt superchargers. Yeah, I've been there, and they're the 72 kilowatt hour, and uh, useless. Well, they're slow, but, you know, there is an amazing blue bottle coffee right there. They have Very some of the exciting. best coffee. So, you know, sitting and drinking a little bit of coffee, I could wait a little while, but now we have eight more 250 Ooh. kilowatt superchargers there in Malibu. There's also North Carolina, New York got a couple, Washington, Virginia, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. And there was another one in California, Northern California. So that was 20 superchargers. And then in 
only nine days, 11 went into construction. Woohoo! And uh, as far as permits go, there's only one new permit, but it is in a cool sounding place. Get this Tappahannock, Pennsylvania. Oh, good old Tappahannock. Yeah. A good Indian name, I'm sure, or Native Land American of, name. Jeez. Yeah. Land of, Land of Tappahannocks. Yeah, Tappahannock. Uh, and it's like in a in a gas station, a Sheets gas station. And that, believe it or not, is right alongside the Rappahannock River. So this is like, there's some cool names there. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that was from the Tesla side of fast charging, level three charging. On the Electrify America side, they have... Uh, I can't tell what's new, so I'm just going to throw out a number. And I didn't write down last week's numbers, but I'll keep track of it. But at this point, I did. You did well. At this point, they have 525 stations. What did we have last week? 520. Five new wow, stations so five. in nine from days. From a percentage standpoint, that's a lot for them, that right? Is. Like as a, from a percentage. Then they've beaten Tesla because Tesla has one percent, uh, two thousand and seventy-nine stations. Now let's talk stalls. The total stalls of Electrify America are 2,297. What did you see last week, Joel? Um, now you got to do Well, some. how many CCS? It's not added up. Okay, so, so CCS is 1776 now. So 1752 last time. Oh my, so that's a big change. 24. Yeah. And then Chatamo stalls was 521. 516 last week. All right, so less, we've lost five more. So that's good. That's very nice. I like hearing that. Of course, the total, like I said, was 2,297. Tesla has a total of 18,940 stalls at this point. So I'd say, everybody, uh, we'd like you to double them by next week. That's it. Oh. That's all I have to say. Okay. So I don't know. Okay. It looks like I don't. I don't know. We've been... We're two hours plus into this bad boy. We haven't even talked about the SN8 uh, thing this week. I don't know if we want to talk about the SN8 or if we want to go right into media picks and say goodbye. And uh, you guys decide. What do you guys want to? You tell me. You raise your hands if you want to talk SpaceX. We got one hand up. Robert, very mediocre hand. I'm going to give you like half a hand. <laughs> well, on I mean, that like one. everybody has to have already seen it. So let's just give yeah, like a, a, a let's just ago. give like a five word or less. Ooh. Okay, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you five words. No, I say everybody should take their turn and give five. You words. You can have my five words. You can have my uh, five words. You have ten. You have ten now. Well, I thought it was spectacular, explosive satisfying and beautiful all right that's it i'll go go yeah go um, please please i i think um i don't know my if i have my five words uh but if i get five words i would say uh highly successful right up until the very end nice Ooh, that's like actually it. five <laughs> yeah pretty close yeah, I mean five, five six. Math. There, we could do that kind of math on this show, yes. Joel, at least. Like eh. we're pretty good at that. All right. So again, this episode of Talking Tesla was sponsored by well, that's you. That's it. 
You didn't want to say listener. your five words, Tom? No, no Mel's out. I gave you my five words, and I gave, and you and Joel together gave about twenty. So we're all good. We'll 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 dive deep into some space next time because there's a lot of space news. Uh, but again, we've been going for a long time. We got into some pretty deep sort of things in this show. I think everybody's probably over it. Um, so again, uh, this show has been sponsored again by the listeners, uh, by the 218 Patreon supporters. Um, if you want to use our referral codes, go to talkingtesla.net forward slash referral. Thank you, Joel, for putting that randomizer together. Um, if you listen to this on any of your podcasting apps, uh, give us as high a rating as you possibly can. iTunes, five stars. Uh, I listen to another podcast and they, they answer questions for anybody that gives five stars. I'm not going to make a promise that we're going to answer your questions if you give us five stars, huh. but go ahead and give us five stars anyways. Why the we'll hell try not? to answer your questions. Uh, yeah, Joel might. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that'd be fine. And so we're going to move on to what has become one of the most popular segments of the show, and that would be uh, media picks. And we're going to start... This week's media picks with El Roberto because he's actually filled out the media picks section. So I can assume that he actually wants to share some of these. So please. Yeah. Robert, so uh, the floor is yours. I watched Cooking with AOC. That's Who's uh, AOC. AOC is a congresswoman from mm. uh, she, she's from Brooklyn. The or great the state Bronx? of New York. Yeah. From the great state yeah. of New York. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez. And she, on her Instagram channel, decided to do, like, she's come home from the Capitol from doing the work of a congresswoman, and she's decided to make some salmon with a cream sauce and some pasta. So she shows the ingredients, and then as she starts to, like, um, zest a lemon, she starts talking and answering people's questions that's on Instagram. They're kind of, like, uh, sending her messages about, like, the relief bill that they've been battling back and forth with in Congress regarding coronavirus and, you know, how does it work to make a bill and who's paying for what and defund the police. And she, you know, she's really remarkably smart woman. Uh, And I really uh, applaud how clearly and, um, and simply she explains many of the complicated inner workings in Washington and exactly that, you know, people want certain things, but she's like, you know, that's not the job of Congress. That's not within our purview. You're asking about things that you need to vote for in your municipal elections or, you know, people talking about defunding the police. And she says, well, you know, actually the police are getting defunded right now because the Republicans are not voting for elements within this, this coronavirus uh, relief bill that actually help pay municipalities to continue providing services to their local constituents, which include the police. It was really, it was really good. It was about an hour long. And in the end, how much of her dinner do you think she cooked? Mm, let's see. She was making salmon and cream sauce with pasta in an hour. You asked that question. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say she did not complete her dinner. You are correct, Tom. You didn't yeah. have to shoot from the hip on that one. <laughs> well, I, I think he was leading the witness. I put your, I put the Instagram um, link in here, and hopefully, it'll end up in the show notes. And it was very entertaining. I really recommend it. I thought um, she's pretty remarkable. 
And then uh, my second choice is a book called Shook One. And uh, it's just a great book, especially for guys who, uh, as they grow up and they and they move from that young, you know, up through maybe 30 years of age, move into their sort of formative adult years with pressures that come from relationships and family and job and working towards success and no longer sort of like being the playboy or the playful uh, adolescent. Uh, it talks about just being a good man and what goes into that. And it's it's written by a guy named Charlemagne the God. That's sort of his stage name. I forgot his, his given name. Uh, it's out of my head. But he's written this book along with a psychiatrist. And they both kind of like um, riff off one another's, uh, like Charlemagne talks about some of his challenges and how he's found relief. And the psychiatrist comes in and talks about it from sort of a medical standpoint. And it's a really really good book. I'm, I've really enjoyed it. I'm almost at the end of it, so I feel I can, I can now uh, recommend it wholeheartedly. Tom? Right. You going to go to me or you want to go to Mr. Joel? Oh, I don't know. I don't see anything for Joel. I mean, he always has something. He never likes to fill it out. Oh. He's, he's, he's very enigmatic, that Joel of ours. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can go if you want me to. Go, please. Um, I, I haven't really decided, though. That's why it's not... Um, <laughs> It's oh. not written in. Well, I mean, um, you need more time, Joel. We've only been on the air for two and a half hours. I mean, what no, the hell um, are you even doing? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that um, some of the people in the in our audience have kids, and I'm gonna go with um, uh, a media pick that's more related to kids this time. Um, there's a um, a singer um, that does a lot of kids stuff. His name is Perry Grip. And um, my kids absolutely love some of his songs. Um, and, you know, like how sometimes when you uh, when you had your, when your kids were younger, for sure, there are some things that were just so straining and um, you just didn't want to listen to. But his music is actually kind of fun. Like one, one song he has is about um, the Mandalorian's Baby Yoda. And if you ask me, I'll, I'll play a little piece of it if you want me to play, because uh, I'm always multimedia <laughs> media pick. If you, as you That's know, true. That's true. That's true. You do Joel. like to bring please, your, up your well, media game. Yeah, please. let me let me do this one piece, and this is again for 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 folks that have kids because he's he's kind of fun. So let me see if I can um, get um, my Alexa to play it for me. Uh, computer, Alexa. Yeah, can, can you play uh, Perry Grip? A song by Perry Grip, I this guess. This is Perry Grip from Joel's Spotify. I think this will be Raining Tacos. <laughs> no, this is not going to be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Computer. Hey, Joel's last media pick. <laughs> play. Computer, play. I got to actually stop this. I'm not doing a good job here. Let me try it again. Alexa, Alexa. stop. Computer, stop. I also changed Joel, her name. Joel, stop. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, yeah, you're you're really um, killing this section. <laughs> yes. Although, although it does bring up a situation that we did not mention Tesla's stock price, and I'm not going to oh, yeah. ask, but it's no, because she's freaking unplugged her. Six fifty-five. It is six hundred and fifty-five up thirty-three dollars today. Today. So, anywho, um, well, you know what, Joel, that your media pick. <laughs> I'm not no, no, I'm I'm staying with it. Um, <laughs> 
there's many times when you listen to um, music for, with your kids that you just don't like the the music. In uh-huh. this case, um, Perry Grip is actually great. I didn't pick the right one. I got I got flogged. Whatever happened right to Baby end. Beluga? Oh, Baby Beluga! Yeah, yeah, actually, when they were even younger, we also listened to that. Rafi, and that's also fun. He's the man. Yeah, I hope EJ Rafi's, has a mute. I hope EJ has a mute button right now. <laughs> yeah, Rafi. Rafi's uh, really good. Um, <laughs> Melvis, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pick, buddy. I'm, I'm bailing off you, Joel. You're done, man. I'm, I'm walking away. <laughs> Thank I know you. It's har- It's harsh, but I'm doing. Uh, well, I did the uh, the Queen's Gambit. I did the. Uh, I did. What I'm listening to right now is one of. Um, let me just pull it up. Uh, I love the I love the audio books. I got to pull it up. I got to find the exact name of it, and it's the Virgin Way, and it is of course by Virgin? Richard Branson. The Virgin Way by Richard Branson. Ah. So Richard Branson. Oh wow! I've always liked because he has like 300 different companies, and from a business point of view. I'm always sort of interested in the fact that these companies function independently and he kind of calls in and it's like, hey, you doing? What's going on? So The Virgin Way by Richard Branson is the one I'm reading now, but I've got like 12 others. But let's go with that, The Virgin Way. And you know what else is cool about him? He's dyslexic. Oh, and so am I. Me too. Uh, Apparently, uh, that's why I like him. And it turns out that like there's this huge uh, percentage of uh, people who run Fortune 500 companies who are dyslexic. But I'm super dyslexic, which people make fun of me, and I've incorporated it. But I can read a person's name, and I can not understand how to pronounce it, and... Thomas uh, Arsel, basically. That's why we don't. <laughs> why we don't do letters anymore. He's. I think he's blaming his dyslexia on the fact that he can't pronounce people's names. I don't know that those two things are necessarily attached. Uh, but well, I'm gonna. Tom, give, there's like gonna, twelve different types of dyslexia. Uh-huh. I cannot read something the same way. I can't write it the same way. I can't mm-hmm. pronounce it the same way. Okay. It, basically, you're an asshole. Right. You know what? I'm. I am an asshole. That's that's <laughs> my. <laughs> I made one of my three immensely awesome media picks in honor of you today, Mel, and that would be mm. Aussie Gold Hunters on Netflix, which is about people, like small groups of people, like that go into the Australian outback in search of gold, either like in, in small like things and just little different mining things. They have very heavy Australian accents. I really can't Forky, understand we're going to get some gold, mate. I and can't if we don't get gold, we're going to be get bitten on the buttocks by the spider. But it's a very, very interesting show. I believe it's on Netflix. You can find it on one of your streaming services, I am sure. So that's one that I've been enjoying a lot. Season two of The Mandalorian has been absolutely spectacular. Maybe Haven't the best. It. Is it over yet? No, not yet. Maybe the weeks. best star wars thing ever uh, created really? in some way shape or form it's very very good in my really? opinion and then the last one is going to be a series that i may have talked about in the past but it's called street Fe- street food asia this is on netflix and it's basically a lovely and based on our conversation today a low carbon footprint way to pretend that you're not locked in your home and be able to travel the world so you can you know one of the beautiful things about traveling i imagine 
is that you get to go and see all of these other cultures and try different foods. And this Street Food Asia is a little window into a bunch of these Asian countries and sort of their street food culture. So those are my three for the week. We have That's to do it. three of these? You don't have to. You can do whatever you want. That's the number. See, if see, you I can't think, do. You apparently can't do any. No, no, no. See, I think <laughs> you're you're all afraid to pick one. So not and stand on that one. That you have to pick three. Uh, so, so what you're saying is that your media pick this week was so it took spectacular. Courage. It took it was, courage. It, was it did courage. take. Oh, for sure, it took courage. Yeah, for that sure. Is, that is, but the point of this is to expand the mind of our listeners into things that actually might mm-hmm. be interesting. And I mean, at least I was able to complete the sentences on my my food picks, <laughs> my uh, my medium picks. You couldn't even you didn't even know that you renamed your Alexa your computer for God's sakes in the middle of that. So I mean, you know, like I, I get accused by my friends of picking on you guys quite a bit, but you guys make it so fucking easy. I don't even know what to tell you. I just I, I want to go with Joel on this, uh, Tom. <laughs> really, three. <laughs> Joel took the time to pass out the many things he does in his life (laughs) to one. And Tom's just like, well, I am like this, I like this, I like this, I like this. No, that's there's a weakness. There is a weakness there. (laughs) And yet I'm going to watch everything and listen to everything you said. There's a weakness Uh, there. And that's my weakness because, Tom, you complete me. (laughs) Oh, that's very, very sweet. I appreciate that. Uh, that's it. I think we're done. I don't know. I mean, there's a couple letters in here, but frankly, I just don't, I don't have the energy for it anymore. And, <laughs> and honestly, this? one of these letters mentioned Joel alone as somebody and like that was hurtful. And so I don't even want to get into that. We'll talk about it next week. Somebody should add it to the next show. But, but Joel there that, you know, this may actually be what I'm reacting most to is, is the negativity in this, in this letter that I'm feeling internally. So, I mean, whatever, it's cool. Wow, somebody- we did get a nice little thing by Tesla Tidbits, though. Um, yeah, that was that was nice. I mean, we can talk about that too, but I only see the yeah. negative, Joel. That's just Joel. That's just Joel, can I ask you a question? Joel, 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 can I ask you a question? Are you really going to try and do a daily? Are you <laughs> mental? Do you need a CAT scan? Do I need a rectal exam? What Whoa. exactly do I need to do? What, wait, I have a What's question about the. What is the rectal exam going to tell you about this particular situation? Because <laughs> I think it might just be just trying to how, how old he is. Uh, it's not dude, a tree. You're, no, your prostate is huge. You can do a. You can do a full daily for like two years. Joe, I should work at like the daily. Give us your thoughts. The daily was awesome. Um, and it was, it was fun. It was fun to listen to, and it was the most consistent thing I think um, in a while from talking Tesla. And uh, I'd like to to do it, uh, but uh, I I'm afraid to commit to it completely. But I, when I commit to it, I want to do it well. So <laughs> Tom Tom doesn't like me saying that. It was, but it was, it was great. Like Mel, you like you. I know you you like to have your audio really good, and and you'd be traveling to different places, and sometimes you'd have a what would amount to like a potato microphone, essentially, you know. And um, but you 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 cranked them out, and well, you know, like a potato camera, but whatever the the I'm just analogous saying, brother, thing is. I'm just saying, my brother, if you're you already on the show, Joel, <laughs> you don't need to kiss his ass anymore. Oh. 
I'm just good. saying, my, you guys my weren't listening. I know Joel. you were. My brother Joel, <laughs> we could was, do this because I couldn't do it because it would come up. Right. But we could like get together on a Sunday every now and then, or eh, right. We could do this. I, I think saying. if we could do it together somehow, like you know, I do the next few weeks. You got yes. lives to save in uh, Nairobi oh. or somewhere. Mm. I'm just saying could we could do it, but why? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, the, that's a question. I'm I feel like myself, I'm just. But. I feel like I'm just better in more of a group environment uh, than than solo. But I mean, you know, yeah. There's so much going on. And I'm doing it for my other podcast. I'm going to do a whole other, I got a whole other for profit thing. But I'm just saying, Joel, uh, I could help you out, bro. We could do this. Joel, Even if all, we just do it for a week. For I'll do it. We're doing a podcast weekly for one week. I think Joel and I could. <laughs> a daily it. podcast weekly for one week. One That'd week. Be great. Weekly that's, for one week. That's really actually quite on brand for us. <laughs> that is, that's what we could do. Joel and Mel are going to do a weekly podcast for five days. Wait, you're going to do it together? No, he has to do it by himself. No. No, that would be interesting. So we're talking now about Elon today because it's no longer Elon daily. At least I have have the Elon today on on Twitter. I have that that, uh, identity already secured. That's fun. Yeah. Are we done? I'm just saying, I would like, personally, I would like to hear Joel give me some thoughts every day. As a walker, as a person who walks and exercises, I would would like to listen to what Joel says every day. I think even if it was like, what the F are you talking about today? I would do that. And my buddy Carl Stone, too, who who wanted to, um, that's one of the letters we didn't read. We'll read it next week. Yeah, uh, I don't. Carl, I, I've never met him before. He loves you. Oh. He made you a yeah. cup. Did you get the cup? <laughs> no, I didn't get the cup yet. Okay, I, that is that cup real? Well, it can be. I think. Eventually. I think it should be real. I think it should. All right, be you real. know what? Now we have to freaking talk about this stupid <laughs> thing because you guys mentioned it so much. So, so Matt Smith on Twitter <laughs> said, "There's an imaginary event where you select four people from the Tesla community with whom you have to have a conversation and dinner. Who you breaking bread with, or who's breaking bread with you? Carl Stone, whoever the hell you are. <laughs> he wrote easy at Tesla Podcast. Don't Very know good who podcast. Those guys are at Tesla Tidbits." Mm, whatever at dmc ryan know him at joel sepp what the hell i'd probably (laughs) just sit back and listen to them talk and love every minute of it and then man and then tesla tidbits because you know they're good people because they love us they popped up with that's cheating this is cheating because i've met some of these folks in person already been getting them together would be all sorts of fun he said Give me DMC Ryan, Model 3 owners, and at Talking Tesla crew. That would be all of us. Not just you, Joel. Not just you, but all of us. And then somebody responded in our Twitter, we are honored and not worthy? Who was that? Was that you, Joel? You were saying that. (laughs) I think that that works with our persona pretty well. Is that how this went down? Joel was like, oh, no, those guys aren't worthy, but for sure I should be there. (laughs) Is that how that worked out? (laughs) 
<laughs> you, you made me do this. You, you, yes, I, was, I, I was trying to end the show. I was yes, trying to go walk away from oh it, but that's God. fine. It's cool. 190 shows for us, four for Joel. But no, <laughs> yeah, let's have a conversation with Joel. Why the hell not? That's cool. It's fine. <laughs> I'm good. I've only been locked up in this house by myself for 12 months. No, whatever. I didn't you make, weren't you making dinner for your daughter last show? Shh. Yeah. Okay. You're just, you're, now, Joel, you're exposing his undercarriage. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. You're exposing uh, my undercarriage. Mel's sticking his finger up your bum. All kinds of crazy things have happened guess on this show. Guess what the name of this show is? <laughs> it's called the Mel's Exposed Undercarriage. <laughs> the exposed. The How do you clean your undercarriage? That's the yeah. name of this show. <laughs> or the unwashed undercarriage. This show started so nicely with what kind of vacuum do you guys use? And no one's it. And then it turned into whatever it turned into. You guys are amazing. You know, welcome to the last night of Hanukkah. By the next time we get together, Christmas will have come and gone. All kinds of other holidays that are celebrated around the world in the fall time will have come and gone. And we will be embarking on a, the end of a year. A new year will be dawning, and uh, I, for one, cannot wait for that. Do we think that uh, full autopilot will drop before the end of the year? Ooh. No. In price? Because, no. Well, yeah, it will, because Elon said it will, and <laughs> exactly. it will not be good. Exactly. It will not be good. Yeah. Okay. I That's drove great. back from the hospital on oh, um, keep going. full <laughs> autopilot-ish. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Like, I get it, Tom. You're right. You guys want to talk about SpaceX this? now? I mean, no, like, we're just going. I'm going to go. I'm going to watch Tenet again. Tenet, the most okay. ridiculously confusing movie I've wild? ever seen. It's, it's stupid confusing. Yeah. And yet spectacularly shot. Yeah. I'm going to go watch it. Are you watching st- that streaming? Yeah, I'm on, uh, uh, I don't know where I'm watching it, but it's... HBO Max? It's like The Matrix. Okay. If you took The Matrix and put it in a blender and vomited in it and then just threw it up, like, oh, this makes no sense. Yeah, that was the last movie I saw in a theater. That was crazy. I think we talked about that. That's ridiculous. That was my media pick yes. like two months ago. Mm-hmm. No one picks on Robert for his multiple media picks in, a, in a, an episode, but that's, <laughs> but that's cool. Oh, I'm going to do one from now on. You guys can suck it. No, man. I want you to put in more because all you've done is keep me hopelessly behind. I have a list <laughs> in my phone under notes of all of the freaking media picks. It's like six pages at this point. Oh, well, I have a question. Are you going to put Barry Perry Grip in that list? Please. <laughs> We're done. Can we be done now? The silence, yeah. the silence is deafening. Yeah. It's just deafening. Yeah. I'm ending right. this. I love you all. I'm ending this. I have to wait. We're done. Good night. Bye. Bye. Floating in the
Oh!